For a second, because Brittany has a new last name, but to us, she's still Brittany Brombacher. Yes, Lorana. Yeah, that's what they say in Bora Bora. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I was like, <laughs> we all like hesitated for a second, like, what's that's happening? No, I, I think I butchered it. It's something. Hi, I'm back. Hi, 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 hi. We're all together, ladies. I love it. Yay! We did it. So, um, welcome everybody to our show. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to. The show for the Nerd Inclined, where we talk about video game news, what we've been playing, and then we throw in some fun shenanigans at the end of the show. If you guys like what we're doing here, it would be really awesome if you got involved with our Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, a single dollar, <laughs> one item like- at a 99 cent store, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes <gasps> photos, videos, um, secret segments, all kinds of stuff that we really want you guys to be involved with so please yeah. if you would like to support us we would love that you can visit us at patreon.com slash what's good games um so we're back this week had some pretty crazy news there's a lot going on by the time you guys listen to this the rockstar reveal will have already happened our reactions to that reveal will happen in next week's show so keep oh on boy. the lookout for that so next week's show is going to be um a little bit different than our normal format um, because both Alexa Ray and I will be going to New York. Yay! Alexa is going to cover for New York Comic Con for fandom. And I'm going because I'm hosting the Nintendo World Championships oh, 2017. Yay. So I'm pretty pumped about that. You should yeah. be. That's yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. So we'll make some dumb stuff while we're there. Yeah, we'll, we'll do something. We'll, we'll <laughs> make some Instagrams or some Facebook videos or some some Instagrams. <laughs> you know what the hip kids are saying these days. <laughs> Um, but um, you can also watch the show if you're not listening if you're watching on youtube.com slash what's good games you can subscribe over there or on podcast services wherever you may be Um, so why don't we get into some news ladies let's do it oh wait I forgot a piece of housekeeping Brit housekeeping we have some exciting news about where you me and Steimer are going to be in uh, in, uh, October we are going to be at Expo in Tulsa Oklahoma I went last year it was their first show this will be their second year second Ooh. show uh super super fun a lot of great people i'm looking forward to it yeah so if you it. guys are interested and you want to learn more about expo if you want to meet us there if you want to see the other cool guests that are coming or check out the panel lineup um that is xpotulsa.com so xpotulsa.com tickets are still available so if you want to come and see us and high five take photos talk about video games we would love that uh, so again you can find out all the information on their website so uh the first item of news that i have 
is um, kind of an interesting one, something that the video games business has been wrestling with now for several months. SAG-AFTRA have reached a tentative agreement with the video game companies. So SAG-AFTRA, for those of you who aren't in the know, are the Hollywood Unions, the Screen Actors Guild, and the American Federation of TV and Radio Artists, um, respectively. So what they did is they went on strike. A while ago and that strike meant that a bunch of really popular voice actors that you may recognize from you know blockbuster video games couldn't work um on specific games with specific companies um alexa do you kind of have any background as to like the situation and how like the negotiations went so i actually have a, I have a ton of friends in the uh video game voice actor community and i remember them talking to me about this uh, one of the big issues was protection against, well, they wanted transparency of what they were going in for because video game companies are so, so secretive. So they get like a read and they don't know if that's going to entail, for example, screaming. They don't know if they're going to be taxing their voice. Like their voice is how they make money. So if they spend four hours a day auditioning for something and screaming, then they're sort of out of commission for however long. I would imagine so. And then, I know what happens to me at like a PAX or an E3. Goodbye for yeah. our voice. Right. <laughs> Um, and then also maybe putting actors through a script that has maybe some suggestive situations or like, or like trigger warning or something a little more violent. Maybe, you know, an actor is not comfortable doing that kind of material. So now they'll know if that's coming. And, uh, in addition to that, they need to know, like, they often don't know, you know, how long they're going to be in the studio for, how long these shoots will be. Like they can always call them back. There wasn't really any regulation to that. So knowing all of these things ahead of time, like how taxing it's going to be and what kind of situations they're going to be in, um, will allow actors, agents to negotiate a fairer rate and sort of figure out a better way for them to go about it. And then I know the other big thing was, uh, developers get royalties on these video games why don't the actors get see any royalties from it i mean if i was a well-known voice actor i would want to get royalties for sure so just to add to what she said there um According to Game Informer, the strike was called in 2016 when Sagan After and video game publishers were, were unable to agree on these issues of transparency, stunt coordination, and bonuses. Now, in the case of transparency, voice actors were requesting to know more about their roles, as Alexa was just describing there. Stunt coordination was to uh, have coordinators on set during motion caption, motion capture sessions and to ensure that things were being handled safely and to minimize any risk of injury, of course, makes sense. Now, the most p- controversial point of contention, according to this article, was the bonuses, which Alexa was just talking about, often mistakenly confused with residuals. So SEG, after asked for bonuses when games sell well, with a cap on the amount that would be paid out to performers. This raised the heckles of many developers who were upset and, and what they viewed as voice actors demanding preferential treatment while game developers have not been able to bargain for their own rights. Now that was um, a really interesting topic that came up during this whole debate mm-hmm. was that like, why? Cause I know some, some developers were very outwardly um, uh, were very, excuse me, outspoken about this issue. Um, and it's, it's a tough one because when you compare it to TV movies and music for example like the amount of work that is done on this medium i think is far more in the camp of the people who build the game um not to say that the people who build a movie or who build a tv show aren't a 100 important part of what they do but as somebody who's worked you know like in those businesses or seen the behind the scenes of what that looks like the like breakdown percentage of their role versus the role of an actor is not so far apart like it is in the world of video games would you say that's accurate steimer i mean 
yes, like developers. Well, I mean, I've never worked on a movie studio set, but from what I know of our our world, um, game development is very rigorous, and like you will lose your life not just for six months at a time, but like years. Marriages fall apart. Like things go badly very quickly <laughs> if you're doing things like crunch. So I mean, I understood their issues with it on that end. But when you actually looked at it, it's such little money. The cap is like three grand that they would ever get, even if it was for like a Red Dead Redemption or whatever, you know, like anything like that. So I'm like, really? Is, is that, is that, is that so, going to break the bank in anybody's book? No. To like, clarify, do you mean 3,000 bonuses? Yeah. The, okay. Like the, the max bonus that they could get, it may be 3,300, but whatever. It's around three grand would have been the cap because she was talking like it is a capped bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like they would be making, like sitting around like Scrooge McDucking it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, diving into their pile of gold. Right, so that's what the always the part I thought was a little bit odd, and I also think that any voice actor is completely on the side of the developers. I've never met a voice actor who was like, "Screw the developers, they're terrible." Like, no, yeah. they all mm-hmm. like they love them and they want them also to be treated fairly, and I don't think that one negates the other. Well, I think that's another another big difference between the other industries that I mentioned and video games. Because in movies, there are several different guilds and unions that are at work on set. You know, there's you know producers guild, a writers guild, a directors guild, a lighting guild, an electrician guild, a carpentry guild. Like, there's a lot of different unions at work to make sure everyone's treated fairly and that. You know, everyone has the best working environment possible. And that's just not the case for video games. So I think what this really kind of opened the door for was the discussion about whether the video game business should unionize other sections of the workforce. Like, should writers in video games be in the same union that, you know, TV or film writers are? Like, should there be a union for programmers or designers or artists? And or maybe there's one union for all of them. But right now, there is no, you know, widespread unionization of this business so hopefully you know this has opened you know conversations among publishers that will you know wide across the board do better for employees because everyone deserves to have a you know an equal shot at Mm -hmm. making their own piece of the pie the one thing i thought that was weird about the whole situation was like you'd mentioned this is not this is not all game publishers Some people just didn't even show up to the table and therefore they're not even a part of this. And and I think that was such such a weird thing to me. I'm like, well, you could just not show up and you like, like, that's like, what? what? Yeah. Like, what? I don't know. I just thought that was really bizarre. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. I know that uh, a lot of, I will not name names, but a lot of like people I know in like the voice actor community last year and this year had to pass on a lot of really great roles because the company was choosing to not go union Mm. which was like tied in with this and whatnot and it's just like really upsetting i want all the games to find like the best actors for it and stuff so yeah they're typically the good ones are typically in a union yeah i'm glad that something i'm glad that this is moving forward because i feel like it went on maybe a tad too long well they were just like headlocked and not i was like someone's got a budget eventually for the love of God. Right. <laughs> like, 
And my understanding is that the voice actors guild didn't get everything they wanted. As of course you're not going to, but it sounds like it's no. a good step forward overall. It's a start, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of compromise, right? Right. I mean, you can come with your demands, but you have to know that, like, it's like a, probably a wish and a prayer that you're going to get everything you ask for. Well, of course, right. I think what they're most proud of those that again, like, it's just like a little baby step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's good news. And hopefully some of our favorite uh, voice actors will be able to get back to work and get back to their uh, respective characters. So next story, Assassin's Creed Origins Zero Combat Mode is coming next year. So I actually got a chance to see this. It's called the Discovery Tour, and Polygon has a nice little summary. Um, So cool. uh, The Assassin's Creed Origins Education Mode, as they're calling it, will be released in early 2018, and it will be a free update for all owners of the game absent of combat and action it's being designed to teach students about life in ancient egypt so according to the press release that uh, ubisoft sent over in this dedicated mode players can free roam the interactive 3d recreation of ancient egypt in assassin's creed origins free of combat storyline or time constraints from alexandria to memphis the nile delta to the great sand sea the giza plateau to the fayum oasis players can immerse themselves like never before in the wrist rich history of ancient Egypt. Discovery Tour will offer dozens of guided tours curated by historians and Egyptologists? Egyptologists? Sure. Egyptologists. There we go. There's a lot of consonants in that word. Um, Each with a focus on a different aspect of the uh, Ptolemaic? Ptolemaic. Yes, I got it right. Um, Such as the Great Pyramids, the Mummification, or the Life of Cleopatra. Um, So what's really cool about this is that I was talking last week when we were discussing Assassin's Creed Origins in my my playtime. And I got even more playtime, which I can't talk about until next week. But um, Discovery Tour uh, specifically is really awesome because their team has always done such a really fantastic historical job. I mean dating way back to like the earliest parts of the franchise the animus always had these little tidbits of accurate historic information to kind of sprinkle in some um color and some story building within the fictional world that ubisoft had created and so when they showed this to me i was like this is genius why haven't they done this and um the creative director on the game um talked about how they had reached out and talked to so many educators, so many teachers about how they had used previous Assassin's Creed games to t- tell history lessons in their classrooms. And so they were like, well, how can we facilitate this and make this a bigger thing? And so I love when I see developers do stuff like this. That's pretty cool. I think it's, it's really amazing. Cool. Hey, and kids, play Assassin's Creed for homework. Oh, and you can also, in that <laughs> mode, do it. You can be any character. Like, they let you do it oh. as when I... I think I got the same demo that you did, but we were Aya, which is like the new, like by ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And you could just walk around and watch dudes mummify a dude or like just walk around in like the desert. And there were all these like really great <laughs> tidbits. So you can, yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was fine. It was okay. fine. Remember the person's dead. Timer. No, I know. But yes, this is no. Fine. I don't know. But I, Cause I've read about the, I know about the process. I'm like, it's still, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's cool. almost like it's set up like an audio tour. If you guys have ever been to a museum mm-hmm. and taken an audio tour, there's a lot of those. Oh, so like really? touch That's points. So like as you're walking around in the world, you can like click on an item and it'll give you like all of this voice over narrated back information on what you're looking at yeah it's i'm really pumped to check it out because after spending you know a substantial amount of time with the game the world building they've done is just so immense and deep and beautiful and what 
a tragic waste mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you know all you did was ever run by it <laughs> in your search <laughs> yeah. from quest to quest you know so i think this is not only good for educators and for people who are looking to have a more uh, meaningful experience from a video game but also like it really showcases all the hard work that developers did yeah, yeah. i was really i mean i'm really looking forward to stabbing people in this game <laughs> But another element was that I was more interested in this because it's Egyptian. Um, and I'm like, oh, like that's always kind of a fascinating culture to me. And mm-hmm. I would like to know more about it. And even when we're going through the demos and he's talking about the gods and I'm like, oh, that'd be neat to like, because I, I have forgotten most of what I learned in high school. Yeah, so yeah. I can ha- now have a refresher course. Thank you, Ubisoft. I think I mummified a cat with my sixth what? grade class once. You what? Mummified a cat? Or as a mummified cat? We did, yeah, legit. You mummified the cat? Okay, so it was it was for school, the whole sixth grade, but like, a.m. block class. I didn't do it physically. So I, you I were 12. Watched. Oh. You were 12. I was 12. And they it was about part of our Egyptian, this was before we had Assassin's Creed Origins. But you, you mummified <laughs> the cat? I did like, not physically, but people, the teacher did. They the brought in was, all the, it was, a, it was, you know, like they have like a, uh, Things that you can dissect in All we class? did was yeah. dissect a yeah, frog. Yeah. We, we dissected a frog. A Wait, you dissected the mummified cat or you mummified the cat? <laughs> I think it was mummified. I can't remember. This was a long time ago. Holy All I remember is in the beginning of the year, we did the thing. And at the end of the year, we dug up the thing. You dug it what up? What the Looking hell kind of back, school do they have up there? In looking the, back on it, I'm like, that's a north. little weird. But at the time... Yeah. Anyway, I think it would be a lot cooler if we could not mummify <laughs> anyway. cats and instead we can play Assassin's Creed Origins in our classrooms. Yeah, don't mummify your cats. Don't, don't, don't do that. Oh, no, don't do that. The <laughs> cat was already dead. I think it, it Well, duh! But, but no, what I'm saying is it's not like they killed the cat for the purpose of mummification. Well, I would hope not. That'd be really mean. That, well, yes. I will say, to get off, to get off the subject of mummified cats what? very quickly, <laughs> I do like this feature a lot and I hope this feature is, one, implemented in future games and two, yeah. I hope this this feature and the attention paid to it discourages that franchise from ever going into the future. Uh, As in, like, space. Um, like, I hope this is the thing that keeps Assassin's Creed out of Creed. space. Creed. I do, too, because there's just so much in history to explore. Know, stay out of space. Space um, is fine. And they do such a good job with historically and factually checking everything that they do. Absolutely. Yeah. too. So good on you, Ubisoft. You're Yay, doing good stuff. It's great. GG. By the time I have kids, they'll have to play video games as homework. That would be awesome. That's yeah. in like 30 years. <laughs> Sooner. Years. 30 years. You wouldn't be able <laughs> to have happening. children at that age unless you adopt them. Sammer. You don't know um, uterus. Yeah, we'll all be test two babies <laughs> You don't by know then. my uterus. <laughs> all right, next story. <laughs> PlayStation boss responds to Nintendo Switch. So this was a really interesting article what? from Bloomberg, very business-focused. Um, Sony Corp's gaming chief, Andrew House, sees limited... Yes, exactly. Well, he looks like he does finger. look like Littlefinger. Oh my god, I've um, never thought of that. Now you'll before. never unsee it. <laughs> Sees limited global potential <gasps> for handheld gaming in the age of smartphones. Seeing the company doesn't have any concrete plans to take on Nintendo's Switch. They already the did Ni- with the Vita. <laughs> this is the funniest part. He doesn't even call it Switch. He says the Nintendo device is a hybrid device. <laughs> And that's a different approach and strategy, he said in an interview at last week's Tokyo Game Show. He continued, we have not seen that as being a huge market opportunity, referring to the handheld gaming outside of Japan and Asia, where Sony still sells the Vita portable device. Sony's focus for now is to deliver more products and services for the living room, including including virtual reality and non-gaming entertainment, such as TV shows and music, with the PlayStation 4 console serving as a key digital entertainment hub. Although Sony has been selling portable gaming machines for more than a decade, they haven't caught on and no updates for the Vita were announced at the show. Since taking the helm in 2012, 
chief executive officer, Kazuo Harai has pushed the Tokyo-based company to be more focused on fewer products. The Vita experience was that outside of Japan and Asia. There was not a huge demand, House said. The lifestyle shift towards the dominance of smartphones as the single key device that is always with you was the determining factor. Some game developers had been anticipating a new Vita device. The latest iteration of the PlayStation PSP handheld sold well. Shipments of the portable machines have been steadily declining, though, according to data from Sony and VG Charts. The Nintendo device. Yeah. He won't even say its Can, name. So what was his quote he about? He must not be named. So salty. Can you reread the quote about not a, he said it's not a viable marketing strategy? What did no, he, he said like there's no market demand he for says, it. He says we have not seen that as being a huge market opportunity. Oh. Referring well, to the handheld gaming outside of Japan and Asia. Meanwhile, Nintendo Switch is like... Da, 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 da. I know! The We're selling. The Switch has its like has the the the, the one two whammy of being both a living room console switch yes because you can switch it from a living room console to a console you take on the go yes so it's it's it it's not specifically a handheld thing even though a lot of people tend to use it as my giant vita i would argue that i would not consider it a handheld device at all even though it is a portable device because if you think about how many people will bring their 3ds with them to multiple places i don't think that same market exists for people constantly toting their switch around now do i bring my switch when i travel yes do i sometimes throw it in my backpack if i have like a long commute or i know i'm gonna have some downtime between meetings sure but am I putting it in my pocket and carrying it with me every day? Definitely not. It doesn't fit in your pocket. Exactly. No. But yeah, your smartphone not, does. It's not built to be, a, like you said. Uh, it's not it? built yeah. to be a standalone portable device or mm-hmm. handheld device. Handheld thinks that's what I was looking for. Yeah. No. Right, which is why which is he's fine, you know, really, saying what yeah. he's saying. Is that like, hey, like we don't need that. Because clearly the PlayStation 4 is doing gangbusters. Like they're selling... Like hotcakes, they're doing great. They're having a great couple of years. And I think it's probably better uh, for them to do a few things well than to do a lot of things mediocre. Mm -hmm. And I think clearly their leadership team has recognized that. I also think that they didn't really support the Vita in the same way that, like, obviously Nintendo has supported the 3DS or um, the way that they will the Switch. Like, that, like, I just don't... I mean, they've done stuff for the Vita, but especially in recent years, they're just like, what, that thing? So I use my Vita <laughs> primarily for the classics, the old PS1 classics. Yeah, so yeah it's RPG great for that. Yeah, so would you say that maybe Sony tried when they had the Uncharted game on there, they had some other, like, first-party titles on there, and maybe you shouldn't pick up, and that's why they were like, nope. That's why maybe you're saying for they don't me, support it? And uh, Yeah, well, no, it's not that they didn't ever support it. I just don't know that they made good enough handheld experiences i guess because i didn't really like the uncharted game on the vita no the vita was good for two things and it was old jrpgs and uh a bunch of indie games yeah smaller games yeah the uncharted game was not that great the assassin's creed spinoff was not that great like i feel like the experiences in like major third-party franchises that made it to the vita were just like and we had to make something for the vita this is good but it's like not quite a full experience hey remember when ken levine said that he was gonna make a bioshock game for the vita no. <laughs> Did that happen? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Time was like, yeah. Look at you, Uncle Ken. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that was such a... They, I feel like they... 
I feel like that's not the only example. Too. No, there were a bunch. There, there were a bunch where they were like, we we're going to do this. And then they just never talked about it again and like swept it under the rug. And we're like, we please don't them. remember, even though it's the Internet and Lost everything lives from here. <laughs> I wonder why that was, why they just kind of decided to toss it under the rug. Because it's the Vita. <laughs> what does that mean, though? What do you mean when you say that? It didn't do so well. Well, it did. It did plenty fine. It's it certainly, did, but, it, but it the, the Vita has sold, I believe... I'm, I might be wrong here. I think it sold more units than Switch has sold so far. Oh, definitely. Let me check. Yeah. Well, but, but overall, brand new. overall, it did capital F fine. And I feel like maybe if I was a major developer and I was looking at the other things that other major developers were putting on the, on the device and they weren't doing so hot and the audience wasn't there for it, I would probably also hold off or pull back looking at what my peers were doing for the console. Yeah. Which is a bummer, but... These things happen. <laughs> it's true. They happen. do. Put that Bioshock on Switch, though. But that Me. Nintendo de- device, you mean? That Nintendo device. That Nintendo that device. That Nintendo device. Huh, we, so could be, we could be like, talking could about any. I was about to say, it could be the, what is it called? The 2DS XL? Which one? The new Nintendo 2DS XL. Yeah. Insane. So it looks like there is no official sales number but that um an enterprising group of individuals on neogaf estimated 10.5 million units worldwide now i don't know if that's like a completely fake number or (laughs) what um fake game news so um yeah i mean this isn't surprising i think it's fine for sony to say goodbye handheld Mm -hmm. let's focus forever let's focus on vr most importantly, their brand new baby, and then let's focus on you know PS Five. Oh no! Oh my god! Why? Yeah. Why no? I'm just Already? like no. We yeah, like we just got the PS Four Pro, and I got the Xbox One X. I swear to God, if you come out with PS Five soon, I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> well, well, listen, they're wor- they're working, they're working on it. Right? I'm not working on it. Just don't release it anytime soon. She will wreck that fountain outside your building. I sure will. Watch out. <laughs> no, I won't. But I might go splash on really it. Really great mental image of you like tearing down the letters in the fountain. Oh Man, I would be really strong. So good. In my in my imagination, you are I'm like very I'm like the Hulk. Yes. <laughs> you're like you're like Gladio from Final Fantasy 15. I love it. Okay. So last week we spoke a little bit about Fortnite's new PUBG ripoff mode, mm-hmm. Battle Royale, and a lot of hot drama happened from when we recorded <laughs> the hottest of hot drama, the, um, the episode to today. So um, <laughs> the story today that I have down here is that the free PUBG like Battle Royale mode had 1 million players on launch day, which is That's amazing. Congratulations yeah. to Epic and the Fortnite team. I've really that's loved really Fortnite good. and that's a great number. But the drama started because we originally um, announced that this game was going, um, this mode specifically was going free-to-play on September 26th, which happened earlier this week. And last week, um, after we posted the show, Blue Hole's uh, (laughs) vice president had some choice words for Epic Games, so much so that they decided to send a press release, which was Uh, in completely poor taste. It was so awkward. Um, (laughs) Baby ass babies. (laughs) Whoever you have running your communications team, 
Give maybe, them a stern talking maybe don't. to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sit them down and have a nice long talk. <gasps> yeah. So basically what happened was, is they came out and said, hey, we see you Fortnite. We see you ripping off what we're doing. We don't like it. Um, you didn't talk to us about using our name um, and you didn't, you know, clear anything with us. And it's clear that you're just copying us. And so he well, has uh, that they worked with them on engine stuff. And I think that they were concerned that maybe some. So that was the backpedal. So after the initial press release went out, a lot of people, myself included. um, You had a great rant. Thank you. Ranted about it, got upset and said, hey, you don't own the Battle Royale genre. You didn't even come up with that concept like uh, it's like been in Battle movies Royale and TV right. and exactly. yeah exactly so, like it's been around in you know pop culture for far longer than PUBG has player unknown battlegrounds um so um we all got like you know our our cases about it and got our rants out and then they clar- made a clarifying statement to say we don't care about the battle royale mode itself we anticipate competition to come into the space we know that you know th- this is like a phenomenon that's going to only get bigger what we're mad about is that it's epic games because what the heck <laughs> because epic takes a portion of their royalties for using the unreal engine 4 well, which the game is built on which epic designed so but it wasn't that eloquent what they said. No, but the, the, thing, right. the, the key issue there is like often when you do get a license from somebody like um, Epic and you're licensing Unreal Engine, that means you tend to work with them on certain things and like right. you would get support from them because you're paying a fee for this. And I think what they were trying to say was that they were concerned that maybe they had lifted stuff from there, like when they were discussing between development teams and like maybe some shady things had happened. No, I, nobody here obviously could tell you whether or not any of that happened. But so what's tough about me swallowing that pill and not really believing that and thinking it's like utter bullshit is that his original statement said, after listening to growing feedback from our community and reviewing the gameplay for ourselves, we are concerned that Fortnite may be replicating the experience for which PUBG is known. So it's the community. Right. So they continue. We've had an ongoing relationship with Epic Games throughout PUBG's development as they are the creators of UE4, the engine we have licensed for the game. So here's the thing. So what's happened is they did a an AMA, a Brendan uh, Green, Player Unknown, um, the guy who originally started with a mod in Arma, which then became, uh, eventually became PUBG. Yes, he did a brief stint working with um, H1Z1. H1Z1. Um, what he did is uh, the people were asking him saying, oh my gosh, how are you going to let it stand? The community just came at Blue Hole hard being like, I can't believe you're going to let Epic Games get away with this. And then I think what happened is, is they just heard so much community outcry that the, at the company, they were like, okay, let's, yeah, let's. They felt emboldened. Let's yeah, do it. Let's take a look at this. And they're like, yeah, maybe they have been checking our stuff, but like, that's not how game dev works. It's not no. like they just went in the back end and like looked at the, their code, looked at the code <laughs> they were doing and then dropped it into Fortnite. Right. I know because I spoke to the development team over three years ago, the team working on Fortnite at Epic has been working on a PVP system for multiple years before PUBG ever oh had, the, had the success that it has now. And so the idea that they just like whipped this up in a couple of months is outrageous and quite frankly, really insulting to like everybody who's working at Epic. And that's why I got really upset about it. That's fair. Yeah. The thing I thought mm. I think is amusing though, is that um, I wonder if, that mode would have been as successful had Blue Hole not done what they did. Like, if Blue Hole had just ignored it and not said anything, I wonder if Fortnite would have had a million players. that's a great point, because we were talking about it on Games Daily, about how they just, 
like Sauron eyed right on to Epic, so everybody yeah. saw the mode, and all of their yeah, fans saw it. the mode. And it's free, so all you had to do was download it to try yeah. it, which is why they got one million players on launch day. So Bluehole really shot themselves in the foot here. Yeah, yeah, and they're backpedal. <laughs> they did an interview. I can't remember the outlet. I read it this morning. I was half asleep. Um, and he was he was getting interviewed. The the main guy from Bluehole. And whenever the interviewer would ask him a question, he wouldn't answer the question directly. He would kind of like pussyfoot around that. And then he would ask him directly, okay, you said red. Did you really say red? He's like, no, I said blue. He's like, okay, so blue. He's like, no green, if that makes sense. It was a really, really Typical politician. So, like, so funny. Okay, Alexa. No, say this, it. This, this is the shit that really boils me. Because there was this situation two years ago with Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor when that one dude who worked on Assassin's Creed was like, oh, they totally stole code from Assassin's Creed and dropped it into Shadow of Mordor to make the climbing. And it was this big I thought fiasco. it was supposed to be a Batman game originally. Maybe. They came out and debunked that. Oh, they did. I yes. didn't read about that part. But, but, but that like, would make sense because they're published by the same person. It would make sense. Though. Yeah. So like if they had barred code, it would be within like the there umbrella of right, this right, is right, okay. Right. It but, wouldn't. Right? Yeah. But like God freaking forbid any video game iterates on any idea anywhere because right. the thing with the Assassin's Creed and Shadow of War was appalling and disgusting and really, really shitty. And then this thing with PUBG is someone being pressured by an angry community and then capitalizing on that and thinking that the wave of their community will bolster them through something that something that will come out in a win for them and clearly it's not so now they're backpedaling mm-hmm. like all of this stuff every game you play some idea in it came from somewhere else the climbing like the nemesis system in, in the mortar games evolved from something else the climbing in assassin's creed evolved from something else like anything you're looking at came from somewhere else and was built upon and made better or changed or swapped around. So I hate when this stuff happens because I don't want this to discourage developers, particularly smaller ones, Mm. like maybe the blue hole team or an indie game, or, you know, even a team at Epic making something like this that they want to be around for a long time. Like I don't want this to discourage people from seeing things that they like and trying to tailor them into a framework of a game that they want to make. So this boils me especially since PUBG was a crazy phenomenon that came out of nowhere was made by like one dude has like a really great following and is like a cool thing but it didn't invent the genre it didn't invent the genre yeah and so I think stop it I think that was our biggest gripe <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm glad to see them walk it back now but I doubt they would have walked it back if people had gotten on their side mm-hmm. um, and that's frustrating my my biggest takeaway if you guys didn't see my Twitter rant you can go back and look Twitter for it if you would, like would really like to was was the analogy I talked about with Coke and Pepsi was that Coke never takes shots at pets at Pepsi because they don't need to they don't need to like poke fun at Pepsi or put Pepsi down or threaten to take legal action against Pepsi because their cola is so similar to Coca-Cola's cola because they don't need to because they're on top and they're successful and they're doing well and I said that Blue Hole needs to be like Coke like you don't need to take shots at Fortnite 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 isn't coming for your lunch you sold over 10 million copies congratulations just fine you're doing great Everyone loves it, and you haven't even released on Xbox One yet, and you're only going to do better. You know, and like a butthole. So I'm glad to see that you know they they have a little bit of sense, but I really hope that they just drop this issue. I hope they focus on developing their game. I hope they focus on making their game finished and bringing it out of early access (laughs) and launching on console. And they don't even need to think about Fortnite. So um, congratulations to the Fortnite team for having such a successful launch week. I do truly think, Summer, you have a, a point there that they probably wouldn't have had the success if yeah. this drama had not happened. Thanks, Blue Hole! 
everybody loves good drama, right? Because then it's like, ooh, yeah. well, now I want to check this out. Yeah, I was in a, I want to see what it's like compared to PUBG. Bora Bora. And then I opened up Twitter and it was like totally that Homer gif where he like backs up into the bushes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, like, a lot of those on today. Twitter that day. Huh? Quite True. a few of those. It was, it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah. But it was kind of weird. So here's a question. Do you think this is going to have any lasting negative impact on Blue Hole? No. 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 I think people will forget about this. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think that maybe, maybe for a short time or maybe down the line, like people will remember this. So maybe in the Epic future. Epic Games is certainly Epic going to yeah. remember this. Epic Games will Bridges remember this. Burned. I feel like this might affect like maybe it'll affect their relationship because they built it on Unreal. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. We'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes here. Or, you know, down the line, like, if Blue Hole wants to work with anyone, I bet, like, publishers big and small, I bet they'll remember, oh, this happened with them in Epic Games, so that might affect people wanting to work with Blue Hole. Yeah, yeah so, so I don't see- want to burn those bridges, yo. No, yeah. So they we- burned. I think, yeah, maybe internally, like, or in the industry, it might yeah. affect them, but publicly, Sales I don't another, think yeah, anybody no. really Sales and players, no. no, but this industry... Yeah, never forgets. Dun, dun, dun. True. True, like the Bioshock Vita thing you just pulled out of nowhere. <laughs> Amazing. All right, that's going to do it for our news for this week. As I mentioned, we know that the Rockstar news came out. We will be talking about it in next week's show. Um, we have to take a break now. Sorry, I lost my shit of thought there for a second. <laughs> happens. Um, stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere. This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. Most of us spend a lot of time thinking about our bodies. Gain a little weight, lost a little weight, back hurts from sitting at a desk too much, stomach hurts from too much avocado. But how much time do you spend thinking about your brain? There are a lot of simple things that you can do every day to keep your brain in shape. Take breaks from work, get enough sleep, drink more water, put down those screens. Well, you know, as much as you can. Now, it sounds simple, but taking care of your body's needs can actually help your brain, too, because it's all connected. And sometimes your brain needs more help, and that's okay, too. This is just one of the things that we learned from our friends over at TakeThis.org. TakeThis has been working to bring the mental health care community and the video game community together since 2012. If you or someone you love is feeling not okay and could use a little advice, visit them at TakeThis.org. And if you have the resources to donate or volunteer, TakeThis.org is where you can do that too. It's okay to not be okay. Take This. Welcome back, everybody. Um, So this is the section of the What's Good Games podcast where we talk about our hands-on impressions, demos we've played, games we've gotten the opportunity to see. Or if you're Alexa Ray, you've gotten your hands already on the SNES Classic uh, Edition. Whoa. I did. I have a question for you guys. Do you, do you, or anyone you know calls it the SNES? That's a crime. Nope. No I, ha- I heard someone today at work say that, and I looked at them funny. My <laughs> colleagues my colleagues at Fandom call it a SNES, and it drives me up a the SNES? wall. A SNES? That sounds like something from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate. SNES. Yeah, or like SNES. a... Or like a Snozzberry. Who's ever heard of a Snozzberry? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I, I, my outrage is justified as well. Yes. Before you launch into your impressions, I want to tell everybody out there who did not get a pre-order for one of these little guys, I have some exciting and potentially great news to report 
from an anonymous GameStop employee that says a single GameStop store will be receiving 18 SNES classics with six of those being reserved to give you a scale for pre-orders versus how much inventory they're getting. Reggie was more spot on than we believed. This is incredibly high for any system, especially for total numbers above how many were pre-ordered. We had one to two NES Classic units above the pre-order amount. We had one to three Switch units above the pre-order number at launch. If this is any indication, there should be that amount extra available at each store on average, with some stores getting up to 30 in total with 5 to 12 reserved. So it looks like they're getting about double to triple the inventory of what's been pre-ordered. That's awesome. So that is exciting news um, for GameStop specifically. I don't know how Amazon, Target, Walmart, Best Buy are handling their inventory. But um, so if you are worried about not getting one and you're listening to this on Friday morning, maybe you should drive over to your local GameStop. They'll probably have one for you. Um, or check out you know the other stores that also sell them. I'm only saying GameStop because that is where my anonymous source comes from. So that being said... Alexa, do we want to drive to GameStop and get an SNES Classic Edition right now? Right now, please. Yeah. Okay. I let's really go. like it. So it's 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 um very small. It's a little bit. It's I, almost small like <laughs> small like thingy. Oh. Um, <laughs> very cute. Also like Slimer. It's very oh. tiny and it's light. Like I almost broke that thing immediately with my like <laughs> monkey hands. Like it's very very. It's very it's it's super 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 light, and. It's got, you know, the whole gamut of games on it. All the games you probably played, all the games before. We spent a long time playing the old Donkey Kong oh, on there. And it all functions. Guns. Everything functions and looks exactly as you remember it. Yeah. Like, like we played we played the Yoshi game and we played Donkey Kong for like hours. There's a couple other ones on there. We like cycled through them over the course of like four That's or five so hours. It's really, really nice. I really, really like it. And then the uh, crowning glory of the software on the SNES Classic is Star Fox 2. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. And I would love to do more Star Fox 2 talk once all of us like get a chance mm-hmm. to, to play it so I won't go too in-depth on like the story or whatnot. It, the, I don't know what I was expecting because it was a new game coming out in 2017 and I was like, oh, maybe they like did some stuff for it. No, dude, that thing is like polygons and bits and like... I love it. It's and, just like, the game. And like angry little like old school video game looking pigs yelling at you <gasps> while you're... They have video game So pigs. it's legit like right out of the 90s. It's right yeah. out of the 90s. Like, Here's I was like, the code. You're playing a new game from the 90s <gasps> in 2017. That's crazy. And That's awesome. <laughs> nostalgia, nostalgia factor, it's really, really great. Like it just it feels like you're back in that world and you get like another episode in it. But overall and i don't know if it's because my expectations of video games have changed mm. over the years and this is now 2017 but i didn't i didn't like it as much as i thought i would it's not as bad as the one on the wii u the one on the wii u was like hot trash it's garbage it's not what? as bad like well, what not- a ringing endorsement <laughs> no, 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 no no i'm not saying i'm not saying it's bad at all it's not like a horrible horrible star fox game it's a really great star fox game but it's but it is an but old, it real but, old. But it's, an, but it's an old game. That's cool. And like on a nostalgia like factor, yeah. I give it a ten. On like, a, am I going to spend my whole weekend trying to beat it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. That's fair. I really like it. My one gripe with the SNES Classic as a whole is the cables that your your uh, controller is attached to are super small. They're yeah, super I short. They, I They're thought so they short. fixed that this time around. Didn't no. they say that they made them longer than the 
NES classic. By like an inch. It's really, really short. We have to sit. We have to sit. We have to go out and buy bean bags because we have to sit really close to the TV. Mm. You bought bean bags. We, you did. Had we to bought go buy bean, bean bags. bags. That That's like a true nineties experience. Yeah. My roommate and I bought bean bags and we sit like super duper close to the TV. They don't stretch terribly, terribly far. I mean, you could also get like an extension cord, right. plug the SNES mini into the extension cord and plug the extension cord into where it needs to be. Oh, that's like another that's cable. Really, yeah. And I would just rather not have like an additional cable. I'd rather just have two longer cables. As I'd long rather as just have, have virtual console on the switch. That Stammer. too. But it's great. So <laughs> we've talked about, we've talked about this. The SNES classic edition is not, designed to be a replacement for virtual console this is a collectible it's meant to be nostalgic it's meant to be like a gift giving item um obviously the games would probably play better if they were on switch Mm -hmm. than if they were on whatever hardware is inside this little thing Mm -hmm. but i mean that's not that's not what we're talking about here this timer i I'm allowed to have my own commentary. <laughs> uh, yes, you are, Steimer. <laughs> yes, you are. You are. So, um, speaking of this real quick, I have found myself without an SNES Classic my way. Because I ordered what? two Wait, from... what? I pre-ordered two from Best Buy. One for my grandma, one for my aunt. Right, oh, my God. Please tell me your grandma got one. Did she my have grandma, one? No, she'll get one. And my <laughs> aunt will get one. But they're like, this looks like a duplicate a duplicate thing. So we're going to cancel one of them. So now no. I have two coming. And they'll both go to my aunt and my grandma. But I'll find one. I'll go to GameStop. We'll, we'll go. find one. Girl, Is it open now? Can we'll we go, go now? this morning. The morning that the podcast launches. <gasps> Is that when we'll it comes go. out? Yeah, September 29th. When does the game? When does GameStop open? I'll have to look it up. We probably didn't, didn't in the morning. We can look into it, but we'll get you one. Don't worry. Thank you. We'll make it happen it's, for happen. Brittany. It's tiny and cute and great. Get it. Like Steimer. Cool. Glad to know that it looks awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm pumped. Except uh, it will not sass you. <laughs> oh, question. Mm-hmm. Is there an eject button on it? Um, the buttons don't work, oh. but it's like start and then like turn off. I was just wondering if you could like, you know, like a fidget. You can put your fingers in it. Yeah. No. No. Oh, mm. That's what you said. <laughs> keep, your, keep your fingers out of that. Where's that pillow? Yeah, right here. Um, no fingies. Okay. So, um, Brittany, yeah. while you were on your trip, you being the true gamer that you are, and I did the same thing when I went on my honeymoon, you brought gaming with you. I did. And you were playing a lot of Divinity Original Sin 2. I was. So, to make this work, because right now, Divinity Original Sin 2 is only on PC. I got my little dongle. I like saying dongle, because I think it'd be every time I say dongle. The queen of the Andrea over here. Um, I brought my Xbox controllers. I brought an HDMI adapter. And the first snafu we ran into was that the airplane did not support the adapter for the laptop. How dare they? Yeah, no, that's the problem I've had, too, that there's just not enough power draw to actually boot it up exactly there's not and so this would ultimately lead to the death well not my death the temporary coma of my laptop so we were in hawaii and we're playing divinity original sin 2 on the tv it was like at night it was really beautiful awesome great and then we had to leave the next day for tahiti and my computer had to update i'm like okay great great so i I say update you know update and shutdown whatever so we get on the airplane and then it's a different airplane so i'm thinking maybe it's a more powerful airplane i don't know no No. (laughs) i open the laptop up and it's like hey your computer is updating do not shut down your computer well, within 10 minutes, the Origin lost all of its battery, died, and was inoperable the rest of the trip. Oh, oh my God. So I get back to the States on Monday at like four in the morning, and I had to do like a restore. I had to download like a, a recovery device on a USB. Oh, my God. Plug it into, yeah. Sad day. So I've only spent maybe 10 hours or so with Divinity Original Sin 2. That's the long story. But how do you feel about it? Because I know you were super hyped. I too. love it. This could very well be my game of the year. It's so much fun. 
And what I love about it is that the so people play it and they love it. But if you don't play it with someone, you can play up to four people. Mm-hmm. You're really missing out on an amazing experience because it's so strategic and it's a, a turn based RPG top down action RPG hybrid thing where you have like all these action points and you have to like spend a certain amount per turn. I know Steimer has this confused look on her face. No, um, I'm, a, girl, I'm working like wars. No, no, I'm confused by the co op aspect. So you, I can. Is it online co op? Yeah, or, online yeah, local. or local. So happen- I would be a character. You'd be a character during the turn base. You would take your turn, then I would take my turn. And right. We can so fill our party up that way. Exactly. So you can have up to four people per team at a time, and you you can have any character you want. Which is something else I love about this game so much is that you aren't limited to certain character builds. You can be anything you want to be, which is really hard to find because you can build a gimped character and then you're screwed, and the game developers don't want to deal with that. Right. But you can build anything you want, and it's so great, and it's so much fun. It's the most fun i'd say like co-op game i think i've i I don't want to commit to that it's a very very fun co-op game and it's very strategic and what's great about it is you can manipulate the world however you want if you see a door and you don't have like a lock pick on you or a key you just bust down the door you spend like five minutes busting down the door with just like a a sword and you can do it and you can kill every town's person you want you can smiling you can massacre towns you can manipulate (sighs) the entire game and it's phenomenal i could talk about it forever it's really good i guess my question too because i read I've been reading a lot about this game because I was intrigued by it. Um, but the problem that I... I feel like I might have the same problem that I had people. with Pillars of Eternity. Mm-hmm. And that is a, like a strange difficulty spike at some point where it just becomes irritating to get past sections. Like I was reading an article on Kotaku and the guy had said how um, there was a boss and then it was like, Surprise, another boss. And then it was like, surprise, another boss. And I was like, Sounds Whoa. like a JRPG. So, and, yeah. so these games yeah. aren't easy. They're not meant to be easy. And that's what makes the co-op so much fun is because you can do so much strategic things. However, we are playing on the typical mode. And we like to spend like literally battles will take 30 to 45 minutes because we're trying so hard to fight someone that's way over our level. Jason and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, there's yeah. there's a level much lower than that that you can play. And that might not have that difficulty spike. Okay. But you, well, you have because to like you were saying, though, like you could build a character and it could not or you could have a party that has really bad synergy and you might not be able to progress throughout the game and you're kind of screwed and i feel like that's the part where i'm like i no. don't like that aspect i mean <laughs> i mean you'd, you'd have to try really hard i mean if you so how we play party full of healers let's go no, so real quick andrea's eyes trying to glaze over a little bit so you have like the it's tank. not you it's me don't worry <laughs> keep going so like We're i'm gonna the get tank you. i'm the archer you. Jason's the mage. So you'd have to try really hard to You're not know. You're a tank archer? Tank and an archer because we have four characters. Oh, oh So what oh, I'm archer. saying, though, is that you would have to, like, I don't want to say be dumb, but you'd have to not be super in tune with the video game world and the ways it works if you are going to have a mage character but put all of its attribute points and strength like that's stupid right that oh, is stupid. oh yeah yes. sure sure you're sure. just bad at rpgs if you're doing that right? exactly you're just bad at rpgs you can learn but you're bad yeah and the thing is you i think you can respect i'm not sure because i haven't gotten that far yet but there's like probably i think there's five or six characters you can choose from total so you can swap characters in and out and you can romance them yeah can i like romance a lizard you again dude? lizard no? yeah that's the red prince yeah Ooh. yeah he cool he's in there I'm very intrigued by this. I heard nothing but wonderful things, uh, both about the original Divinity, Original Sin, and mm-hmm. then uh, its sequel. My hang-up is that it's turn-based, because I love Girl. Diablo, and I love that style of action RPG gameplay and the co-op in that, but I don't like the idea of it being turn-based. It's So it's turn-based, but what's... I don't know how to explain because I, I know where you're coming from. If you're playing with someone, that's when it's really fun to strategize because, like, I might have a fire skill and Jason has a poison skill. So I'm like, okay, we have five guys up there. 
cast your poison skill on the ground, and then my next turn, I'll cast fire on it, and I'll blow everyone up. So it's turn-based because... Fire? You- Wait, poison is flammable? Yeah. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah, and water, you can shoot electricity okay. into it and shock everyone. So cool. that's why it's turn-based is because it's meant to have all that strategy because it's not an easy Layers. Game. So can you play solo with AI? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You can. Girl, we're going to get you. But I feel like it would be more fun train. to play with other people. Oh, absolutely. Well, for you. I think in life, if play. it's a co-op experience, yeah. it's always more fun to play with people. Well. But I don't know if I could commit find people to commit all the time because it's like any multiplayer experience you have to like you know set a date we can swap it instead of destiny you and i can start Mm, playing this no i don't know about that we need to (laughs) we need to well before we start lining up the rpgs that we're gonna make andrea play i called dibs yes on the first one and it's gonna be final fantasy yeah i agree with this i downloaded this (gasps) just for you alexa we're gonna do it we're gonna we're gonna finish the game we'll play it over a course of several thursdays we will stream it we'll get super (laughs) drunk it's gonna happen okay i'm gonna sit there until you finish it I will not leave. Oh, <laughs> well, got real lots serious. of sleepovers then. No, um, I would love to watch Andrea play this because I feel like the whole time I would be like, oh my God, I remember this. Oh my God, I remember that. So good. So, I want it to happen. So yeah, so let's let's talk about this. You have this game listed as something that you've been playing this week. I um, did. What do you think of the PS4 uh, port? So I'm going to I'm gonna talk about the look first and then I'll talk about all the accoutrements. She's got the look. <laughs> so... What they did for this port, it's clearly kind of based on the mobile version that came out a little while ago. However... So, like, Chibi art style, kind of? So... Or am I thinking of a different the, the, mobile The game? mobile version was a port of the PlayStation version. Oh, never mind. So I'm thinking of a different Final, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy IX, you're thinking of Final Fantasy XV, which has its own mobile version coming out, like, really soon. Ah! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Amazing. Final Fantasy IX came out in 2000. 2000? 2000. And... It and it was not pixelated, but it was definitely a little blurry and a little janky looking because mm-hmm. they were still working with the PlayStation One graphics. However, the art style was deformed chibi, so they were smaller than a normal human would be, and they had like bigger hands, bigger feet, exaggerated features, kind of like, like hobbits. F- no, kind <laughs> of like <laughs> it's. You know what? It's the style is kind of it's kind of like. If you're familiar with Kingdom Hearts, where everyone has the big feet and the big hands mm-hmm. and the weird faces, mm-hmm. like it was like that. And it was very cartoony um, and very like out there and colorful. So what they did is they gave the, they upres the characters and then and then like fine tune their details and smoothed them out. So you can see like their facial expressions and like the normal gameplay awesome. and like the details on their outfits and their outfits move more naturally now. Like when there's wind, they look amazing. Your boy's a day and looks amazing. Ugh. Um, that's weird he's young never mind <sighs> he's very young he's like 14 he's 16 I'll have you know the youngest character in that's that game fine. is that's 6 years old somewhere. she's like fighting baddies um, but it looks great the backgrounds the characters look great the backgrounds however um, they gave them like a little bit of a scrub scrub and then blew them up to 4-3 ratio and they don't look great they look muddy in some scenes so the backgrounds are not as pretty but the characters look really great and if you're watching a scene you're like watching the characters talk and whatnot. and there's no voice acting it's all text bubbles um what the reason I have chosen this game as Andrea's first baby's first Final Fantasy is because they added a bunch of boosters that allow you to get through the game faster. So it will allow you to uh, accelerate through the story, spend less time grinding, but will still allow you to get the basic sense of what battles are like without taking away the battle experience. Hmm. So you can uh, you can speed it up. You can speed up your speed up the battle so it moves quicker. It's, it is turn based, um, but you can also uh, set the <laughs> battles so that. 
your HP gauge always stays full, your SP gauge always stays full, and you what? are and you are always uh, in trance. Now, trance Ooh. in Final Fantasy IX is a special power up where you go into a trance, and all of your powers are way more. Way, you have way, way more powerful attacks. Think of it as like an ultimate. If you played Final Fantasy VII, it's like a limit break, stuff like that. Um, and you always have that available to you, so you can just keep spamming, uh, spamming that. Or you could just do it like, say... What's the point, then? If it's always there. available to you? If you want to be like a god. Well, like, I mean, like, you're basically just playing it on god mode, then. Yeah, right. and it's so for people zero, like Andrea who like don't me, have the patience. Who are like, I don't want to play it the hard way. I want to play it the super easy way. At all? No. So I guess what's the point of even having the battles? I guess is my question. So because you have to have to do them to get through, like like well, I know, like, but I'm, but, the, but I'm saying, narrative. I'm saying I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. I'm getting there. So <laughs> this okay. is for this is for all battles. However, you can turn off random encounters, so you will never fight anyone outside of a fight that the story puts you through. Mm. So you're not fighting weird dupa dupes or whatever the <laughs> enemies are that find you on the world map. I don't know <laughs> the weird like the weird fairies yeah. and the oh, other yeah. things and whatever. Mm. Um, you can also max yourself out to 99 right away. You can have unlimited money, unlimited whatever, like just completely be OP and just smash your way through Final Fantasy So it basically turns it into like a visual novel. It turns into a narrative-based story. And there's a bunch of instances like in the story where you have to make like choices and you have like the freedom to go complete things on your own. Like one of the big scenes in Final Fantasy IX is the hunt, which is where you meet Freya. And you're like hunting these beasts that have been set free in one of the major cities. And you can go go and fight where you want, go where you want, do what you have to do. And that's one of those instances where you can um, sort of choose your own way through the adventure. You can also, there's a certain character, my favorite character in all of Final Fantasy history, oh. Quinnaquen. Yes! Uh, best philosophy of any Final Fantasy character. And you can find him slash her uh, either right in the beginning, you can immediately walk to the swamp and recruit them, or you can wait and uh, they will naturally be flung into your path later on in the plot. So you can recruit some characters early. And the reason that I think you would want to play this and you'd want to play it this way is the the amount of grinding and the hours required to complete some of those older Final Fantasy games mm-hmm. and even some of the newer ones is a really tough sell. Like when people tell you that Final Fantasy 13 gets great 50 hours in, that is not an exaggeration. That game hits the 50 hour mark and this it is, is why like I don't play Final game. Fantasy. Right. Yeah, because you don't have 50 hours that you want to no. spend like derping around, like listening to people whine and riding on chocobos. It's true. Not your thing. So <laughs> I feel like this is a good way to get your feet wet with the Final Fantasy tone and themes and one of their you know better told stories and see if you like it and then from there you can say well maybe i'll try final fantasy 15 or maybe i'll try final fantasy 6 and go back to like the 8-bit 16-bit era and whatnot but i think this is a really good gateway because nine i think has one of the better stories out of the entire series and it's just like looks good enough that it's not like the weird polygons of seven and it's not like 16-bit or 18-bit mm-hmm. and it's not the total mind screw that is final fantasy 15 right now <laughs> Uh, word okay and the story is pretty mature i don't know if alexis will it's very mature it's very deep it's not like there's happy moments but the overlying tone is just like life and shit gets real man and you die Hmm. there's one character that like he's he has like a like a no (laughs) i'm just kidding no well he has like a like he's not we all die what do you mean he's not he's not like a so he was made and he realizes this and he realizes that being made like the things that he has made from probably means his lifespan is shorter. So he finds this out over the course of like the game. It slowly unravels and he hits this like conundrum of like, I'm going to die. What is the point of doing literally anything? 
bye bye and like just kind of like fucks off for a little while and is like I'm not going to do anything and then he realizes it's like no life is about what you make of mm-hmm. it while you're here it's not about how long you're here I mean because yeah it's cr- and it's crazy it's some of the themes in, in that game and like there's like the whole mother daughter thing like the whole the the thing with parents uh, and yeah, children yeah. is super crazy the whole that whole game <laughs> that whole game is a story about terrible parenting oh dude you're right it is. It's a terrible parenting. I never thought of it with me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and like struggling to find yeah. struggling to find a family yeah. or something like a family that you can belong to. And it's super duper heartbreaking, which is why I would recommend it as your first Final Fantasy if you can go back. As an Even adult though, who will understand and appreciate yes. certain lessons. Even though six okay. is my favorite, nine has that story is just... That was a lot of information you just flung at me, Alexa Ray. But I'm into okay. it. I, I'm going to venture out of my comfort zone to try this game because you so much desire me to do so. Oh, yeah. And as your friend, I will do this for you. Yay. Are you only doing it because there's baby God mode? Yes. Can you do it a little for me, too? Of course, Brig. Okay. Of course. You don't have to do I it can for play, me. We can play Chocobo Sam Sam like, I care about and talk to the Moogles. <laughs> And look at Prince's face. Catch some friends. I, I believe that's going to become a gif at some point. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, other games that we played. Um, Steimer, you have been playing more I, Destiny 2. Girl. Depressed. Which is funny because I was such a bitch about it on the podcast before. I know, right? Here's <laughs> yeah. me over here being like, Destiny's the best, guys. I love Destiny. Here's the hooked. thing. It's because I play with you. <laughs> Yay! And That's why Destiny's the best when you play with people you like. Yeah. Destiny. So, so real quick, because I think you guys did this episode when I wasn't there, and I was managing the social a little bit, and I saw like probably 10 to 15 comments of people saying, no, I'm not going to get Destiny 2. Thanks, Steimer. I'm not getting Destiny <laughs> there were 2. There not Thanks that many. I saw one. Okay, well, I'll one YouTube comment. and Twitter also, and all of the okay. things. So are they attributing it to you? Because I was the one that's like, I'm not playing it. Burr, burr, burr. Because I, because you weren't on the podcast that week, but oh. we, her and I just did like a Destiny deep dive. And I basically said they didn't really fix the grinding problem, which they haven't. That is accurate. Um, so... Well, yes and no. They've um, made improvements. Yes. It's not fixed, in my opinion. But now you're digging it. You're liking it. You're enjoying <laughs> it's, it. It's never about... It, for me, I'm like... I can know that what I'm playing is irritating, but if I'm playing with Andrea and we're mostly just like having a chat and relaxing, it's fine. I would not play this game alone um, at all. I would be super irritated. So it's just kind of one of those things like, do you have a group of friends that you're going to play with and really make this more of a social date than anything else? If yes, then yeah, you should play this game. You'll probably have a good time shooting stuff. Um, But if you're like, I really want an awesome story and like really good RPG mechanics. No, not the game for you. Go play a five I don't know. I disagree with you. I really enjoy playing Destiny solo. Um, Once you get to a certain point in the game, you kind of have to... Uh, play with others because the high end or the late game content is so much more difficult that you like trying to do it solo is just not reasonable. Like I obviously can't do the nightfall solo. I can't <laughs> right. raid solo. I could do strike solo cause there's matchmaking, but some of the story content um, gets quite challenging when you're solo. Previously destiny had daily story missions and they're not doing that uh, in destiny Two, which it makes me a little sad. Cause I really, that's one of the things I enjoyed doing solos, I could log in, do the daily story, do a couple rounds of Crucible, and I'm done. I got my day, a Destiny fix for the day, and that's it. Um, but 
they um we didn't want to get too deep into destiny 2 talk since we have talked about it so extensively on the podcast but they did just push faction rallies live this week i of course pledged to future war cults because Steimer, it, are you with me well yeah because it's the yeah. persian lady yeah i'm like me oh this this voice actress is persian i have to go with her yeah, she's excellent. I love their colors. Uh, that pulse rifle that they have looks fantastic. I know a lot of people are going dead orbit because of his scout rifle. Whatever. Yeah. That's fine. God kids. They also like the shaders, I think. Uh, yeah, the shade, the shaders, uh, the new monarchy shaders also look pretty good too. Yeah. Um, but so that's active right now. If you guys haven't checked it out, you can do so. A big thank you and a shout out again to everyone in both of the What's Good Guardians clans. We have two clans now. I'll join you eventually. Um, you will. It'll be great. Um, so thank you to everyone who's jumped in, uh, our fire team who's played with us online. We're having a lot of fun and I'm sure we'll do a revisit to Destiny 2. As they add new content, and of course, when the PC version comes out in October. But I don't know that I'm see the thing like because the the thing that we hit the wall on yesterday, we her and I played last last night, um, and I'm like everything that is dropping is below me, and not like a couple points, like several points below me, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, she gave the camera a finger. <laughs> it's did. part of the grind. Part of the baby grind, as my teammates ba- baby ass to say. Baby grind. <laughs> um, but what I did want to talk to you about, Alexa Ray, is Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Yeah, we can talk about that now, right? So, yeah. So, we went to okay. this Bethesda <laughs> preview event, and, like, the embargo for several titles lifted last week, but for some reason... They were hanging on to the embargo for Wolfenstein, and I don't know if it's because they had another event, and they wanted to give other people time to prepare their coverage. Excuse me, or what reason? But, um, so... This is now my third time playing Wolfenstein. I didn't really need to play it again. I'm sold on this game. Yeah. Machine Games did a beautiful job once again. I really loved the New Order when it came out originally. I thought it was a dark horse for a game of the year. This game also looks beautiful, smooth, powerful. The story and the cinematics are so well done. I just... What? No, no, no. Are you thinking about the scene that I'm thinking about? Probably. They actually put it yes. in the new trailer. If you guys haven't seen the new story trailer for the the new Colossus, there is a submarine sex scene. Yeah. Ooh. So Ooh. I racy. I really appreciate it. So the first Wolfenstein, I think, did like the we're we're casually hooking up thing like mm-hmm. tastefully. It was like yeah. we're adults, we're in a relationship, the world's going to shit. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, um, what else are you gonna do? I sure. I before we talk about the mechanics, I just want to say, and I for Wolfenstein 2 and I know that they were working on this game they've been working on it for a while but the whole like white su- supremacist Nazis taking over America like the fight to get America back hits real close so yeah it kind of does and when I was playing I was like I love punching Nazis in the butt and then in I was like butt. oh my god this is what life could be very soon if you no, punched them like, in the butt I don't I think, think that would do much good I think it's a it's a it's like a like it's it's before let me clarify it's like not commentary on what's happening in america right now it's not like a direct parallel but the whole idea um as my colleague i went my my colleagues at fandom went came and played with me and he said it was kind of like a little bit of a really it was a really nice like like a relief from like seeing what is happening in america to like play this version where like you are like fighting for america and like just wiping out all the nazis so it was really cool so if you're into that kind of thing Wolfenstein has that in spades. Uh, Gameplay-wise... Yeah, no, it looks excellent. So just for people who maybe missed the first Wolfenstein, where the new Colossus is, is the Nazis have... We're in an alternate 
version of history where the Nazis won World War II. And now in the New Colossus, they are starting to invade America. And so the fight has moved to the soil here. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the kind of Nazification of American culture, how they are putting their banners everywhere. And they're in, in, mm. in kind of infecting everything that was once American yeah. is now becoming um, German and, and, and Nazi. And kind of the resistance group that has sprung up to fight back against this and you know obviously uh bj blaskovitz is Good old at the, bj at the forefront of that um and there's some other really cool characters that they're introducing and he is back and he's super powerful i think it's it felt to me like a little bit of a throwaway that they had his wheelchair scene at the beginning of this game because then he instantly becomes powerful again i loved that <laughs> but the, they kind the, the of do that a lot I was going to ask about the wheelchair. The wheelchair. Yeah. So we got a chance to play the wheelchair demo like a while back. Right. Three, I believe. It's yeah. very, very different because that level takes place in in an area where like you can't go upstairs in a wheelchair, right. but you could go downstairs. So you have to. Wee! Yeah. <laughs> so you have to strategically. You can also fall out of it. As I learned very, very. Quickly. I remember your story. Yeah. 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 But you have to strategically figure out like, oh, okay, I went down the stairs over here, but I need to go up there. Where is the lift? Because then you find a lift that will bring you uh. bring you back to the level where you have to go. And it's really, really, it's like a puzzle. It's really interesting. But I'm not, I'm not a crack, right? Like the first, the new Colossus, he's in a coma of some kind at the very yeah. beginning, and then he immediately gets out, and he's weak for like five seconds but then starts murdering everyone like yeah. boom that's why he's pretty he's, much yeah he's they're all like kind of kind so like of that's why the, that's why characters. this is not a surprising move that he would be fine yeah. after this wheelchair scene yeah yeah video game also his but, lady is like super preganinant and is like running around pre- like hello shooting how do I she is with child yes going into the war zone uh, like fully like eight months pregnant yeah she's so, just like i got this well, she's so like good. you know what everything's going to shit anyway we may as well just fight it's so good yeah um so what's cool about what we got to play specifically at this press event was um they kind of unlocked a lot of his abilities so we were pretty late game as far as power and how yeah. many abilities that bj had and what's different from this time around is that there's three core kind of superpowers that they were showing us they're like gadgets aren't they like gadget powers Dun-dun-dun. yeah they're Dun-dun-dun. weird how they work so one of them kind of turns you into juggernaut where you can sprint and smash through walls that one was my favorite i love that one so you could use that to either do heavy attacks on armored enemies or you can smash through walls um or you can like just you can smash kill the people. some of the yeah lower level Are you like kool-aid manning it yes yeah. oh, you can literally <laughs> pretty much run into enemies and they will explode into a blood splatter that sounds really oh. fun. yeah just like that sounds wonderful. Oh, it was um, so fun. <laughs> and one of the other abilities was um like uh like leg stilts almost. So you would instead of doing like a traditional double jump where you would like kind of like tap tap to jump, you mm-hmm. would do that but then you would like raise up on mm-hmm. these like high stilts. So what that did was it allow you to quickly get away from enemies or it allows you to uh, kind of sneak on top of things. So oh. like if you're entering the level for the first time and you see enemies like on the ground in front of you you can kind of like jump up on these stilts and then jump up on a ledge or like on a bus for example like you could get on top of the vehicle mm-hmm. um and kind of so like it's a sneak jump. you're not walking with really long legs you are, you are until you get up onto the ledge but okay. or you can just walk around on high legs and then shoot people below so you're you. like it's then really you're stretch armstrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. see all the childhood toys i can bring and up. then the third one's the funniest one i don't like this one this one made me clench like it makes me really <laughs> uncomfortable so the third one was 
was a, a revamped stealth mechanic where you shrink yourself to fit into very small holes in walls to stealth your way through vents. It's called the corset or something, isn't it? I don't remember the exact name of it. I was trying to look it up here, but <laughs> when I say very small holes, I mean, very imagine imagine holes. like a typical stealth game where there's a vent and you take like the vent cover off and you go right. through. Yeah. Imagine that, but then like cut that size in it's half like this. it's like this size yeah like so this. like imagine the size of your face but then like bj just magically like shoop, like squeezes himself like ferret style or cockroach style into like these small spaces so he can like stealthily move around sections of the level it makes a noise and it's like and like all of a sudden oh. you're like super tiny and i'm like is that the sound uh, of his bones crushing that's Probably. the sound of yeah. everything clenching like um, it's just bad i mean it's great the mechanic is great i was about to say like that actually sounds fun to sneak around with but yeah the noise probably is what is it's like, fun ooh. but it makes me uncomfortable yeah so of these the stilt legs was my favorite and you liked the juggernaut dash Smashing. yeah do you look down and see super stretched legs yes yes <laughs> that's cool no they're like little metal things oh. like yeah so oh. sorry so do you have access to all these skills at at all times or do you have to switch between them so uh, is my understanding that you don't get access to all three but we did during this demo because they wanted us to like experience the true power of right. them but I, I assume you're built into one of them right so from what i understand from the rpg like the very light rpg that's in wolfenstein Trigger. is that <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that you get to pick one okay yeah well you can't like you'll like so we had them all also, like, I can't imagine that you would want to be constricted, tiny, and also have your legs, like, sticking out behind I you. I was kind of wondering about that. Or, like, juggernauting while your legs what are out. What if you were juggernauting while you were tiny? You'd be or, amazing. Or, like, juggernauting while you're... While you're <laughs> but you're not, run, you're not, you're not, like, Willy Wonka, like, shrinking, or, like, Honey, you're I Shrunk the Kids. Packed. You're, like, you're, like, like, horizontal going through, like, crawling on your stomach, like, smushed. Oh, I, hate it. I mean, it's I like really the mechanic, weird. but I hate the idea. That is weird. Yeah, the concept's cool, but it's like the implementation's weird. And yeah. I'm more of a guns blazing. And what yeah. better game to go in guns blazing, yep. dual wielding, than in Wolfenstein? And it does oh, give so. you many a guns blazing yeah. opportunity. Oh yeah, it's so good. The, I love the it. stealth once again in this game is <laughs> is pretty BS. Like, <laughs> like let's be honest here. If if one dude sees you or if you shoot one guy, the alarm goes off instantly. There is yeah. no hope for you so like i didn't even bother trying to stealth through most of this because unless there was like a Panzerhund around those giant behemoth metal dogs that you've probably seen in the advertisements you can also ride the Panzerhund. yeah so there was a little secret it? level they showed they us at the end you. of the demo oh. where um you got to um like there was a a gadgets guy who's on your like revolutionary crew mm-hmm. who's like guess what i did i've got our our own dogs and you can ride them around and they oh, breathe oh. fire no they're more like <sighs> yeah pretty much <laughs> that's the sound of me trying to breathe fire no that was good no i was impressed i was like that's a good dog sound <laughs> that's a weird dog sound. better than the growl um i could have done it but you I can didn't wanna, I we're waiting for you so are there are any times ready? in the game where you have Brit, to be... Brit's like, no growling. Brit doesn't give a shit. Eh. Where you have to, like, sneak... I guess not. <laughs> Dang. No, I've, I've heard your growl, and I have it embedded in my in my brain. She just doesn't want to hear it. She's like, she has to sleep next to me. She doesn't yeah. want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, real quick. So is there any time in the game where you have to sneak by enemies? Do we have to go undetected? Or is it just a purely optional mechanic that's kind of useless and don't know we haven't played um at least in the sections that i played there weren't any mandatory stealth sections no but also it's wolfenstein you don't play wolfenstein to be a quiet sneaky man exactly you play it to kill all the things 
Not what? really. I tried to stealth in the first one, mostly just for... Um, I like to get in and get a lay of the land. But, yeah. Like, I don't like to just go in guns blazing because I'm like, I want to know where the commanders are and then I want to take them out first if I can. Oh, come on, don'ts. Come on. I will say... That was weird. I don't know. I just did. If you are not a shooter player or you've never played a wolf, played a Wolfenstein and you're looking at Wolfenstein 2 and you're going, I have to play this game. It looks really awesome. I am admittedly like a very derpy shooter player and I need and I go in guns blazing and die over and over and over and need a little bit of like what am I going to do these new mechanics like the new the new contraptions and the way that they that that you can utilize those to get around things and get around people and line up your kills and do all that fun stuff was really helpful for me and I had a lot of fun and I don't tend to gravitate towards shooters so I'm do it just do it. I'll play on baby ass baby mode. It's called their baby ass baby mode is called Daddy Don't I, Hurt Me. Uh, can I play to Daddy? Oh yeah. Oh, oh my I god. It was no. Oh, it's like it's, wasn't Daddy Don't Hurt Me. I think me that's the the next the level next up one? on easy because yeah. they have okay. five different difficulty levels. Oh, yeah, right. but can I play to Daddy? Is like yeah. the and then he's like wearing a baby bonnet, sucking on a. Don't be afraid to play on. Can I play to Daddy? There's no harm in that. Have fun. Be powerful. Kill everything and don't worry about dying. Yeah, that's why you play games. Um, okay, so, um, Britt, before we move on to our third and final segment, I would like to hear from you about Ever Oasis. Yeah. I don't know anything about this game. Uh, I, d- I don't know that much. Okay, so I finished. Would you like to save this conversation for next week's no, episode? I have, I have a little few. I have like a minute and a half worth of What platform is this on? 3DS. That's what okay. I'm playing it on. So I finished Corpse Party, which was a very God. beautiful uh, game to play in the beautiful tropics. Which ending did you get? Uh, I got the good ending. Oh, good. Which is isn't that good no it's not oh. <laughs> the game okay. was fucked up use my word quite that um so i was like i need something happy and uplifting so ever oasis my understanding is that you are a child of a big tree and wait stop <laughs> what tree time you you're called a seedling and so are you made of wood? you don't look huh <laughs> not coroxy you don't look like an actual human you look like a little chibi half human half unknown entity so are you made of wood I don't think so. No, they look like people. It if says one of the tribes that lives here is dunk. called seedlings. Special seedlings known as children of the great tree have the power to partner with a water spirit to form what's called an oasis. An oasis is a safe place for everyone to enjoy. Right. So you are in the middle of this desert and there's this thing called chaos. That's what it's called. And it's trying to take over everything and destroy everything. And you as a child of the tree have been chosen as a chief. And now you have to build an oasis out in the middle of the desert. So there's some like town building element to it. Um, Those oh, the like art's trees. really cute. It's really cute, and for some reason, it hasn't fully captivated me. But I will say, like the soundtrack in this game is amazing, and the dungeon crawling reminds me a lot of. Oh, it's a dungeon crawler. There's dungeon crawling in it. it reminds me a lot of Zelda. Um, it's a really good game, but I feel like the story isn't captivating enough to like make me like super super excited to play it. The is gameplay it like is great. Ferngully, is it what? Like Ferngully ish. What's Ferngully? <gasps> oh no! What? Brit, have you never seen Ferngully? Oh my god! Add it to the list. Of oh wait, 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 This is wait, the wait, Rainforest wait. movie. Yes, 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 hold on. It's been like forever. Maybe I've seen it once. Okay. Basically, the one where Tim Curry plays the like toxic cloud that yes. sings. Tell me, Brittany. No, Brittany. No, no. It's okay, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Watching, don't freak out. We will educate her. Educate me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's cute, and it kind of gives me that same vibe of like Story of the Seasons. Everything's for the most part really happy, happy music. Uh, it's kind of a feel good game, really good after Corpse Party. But yeah, I'll report on it more next week. Okay, excellent. Who made it? Exceed. Uh, oh yeah, that figures. Yeah. Okay, that made, total limit. Everything makes sense now. <laughs> <Yep>. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, 
Ladies and gentlemen, you've been waiting for it. It is our Life is Strange Before the Storm Episode 1 spoiler cast. So, if you have not finished Episode 1 and you don't want it spoiled for you, you might want to skip the last segment of this week's show and maybe go to our YouTube channel and check something out or watch one of our Twitch archives or visit our Patreon page or send us a fun meme on Twitter. Um, regardless, we will be talking about details, character names, plot points, It's all going to hang out. So stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. Um, The conversations that happen between breaks. uh, Someday you might get to see. I think I have some of them recorded. It's girl talk, so much like that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So now we're going to talk about our Life is Strange Before the Storm episode one, which is called Awake. Spoiler cast. So as I mentioned on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about all the stuff. So this is going to spoil everything. If you haven't played this, it is a narrative-driven game. You might want to go play it first. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're along for the ride now. So here we go. Ladies, I just finished this because after we got back from PAX, I got slammed with a bunch of stuff and I just didn't have time. And then Destiny came out and that overtook my life. So I finished this um, two nights ago. We, I think we were playing it at the same time. I saw yeah. you online. And I was like, oh, she's also playing this. Yeah. And I was so happy with how episode one went. So I had the privilege of working with Square Enix over the summer. Um, just for, you know, full disclosure, they paid me to, uh, be on a, pun- a bunch of panels and to talk to the dev team. And I was the Life is Strange fan before that. And I'm still a Life is Strange fan after that. And I just am really like glad that, um, Deck Nine did such an excellent job with it. Yeah. So totally. Um, Let's start. I liked things. it, but I, yeah. I didn't love it. I liked it though. I liked it fine. Why did you not love it? I didn't love it. I don't. I maybe. I think it was more like I feel like it lacked impact. I guess, um, in the sense that I felt. I remember when I was playing through season one of Life, Life is Strange. I guess I'll just call it season one, even though, whatever. Um, and at the end of each one of those episodes being like, what? You know, like having that kind of a moment. And mm-hmm. I did not have that here at all. Okay. And so like, and I, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a knock. It's just a different method of storytelling. I think they're going for in this mm-hmm. um, episodes, but I don't know. I guess it was, I was kind of expecting more only because that's kind of how it was set up in the other games. I don't sure. know. I don't know if I agree with that. I, so I also really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed it as much as I did the first episode of if season one of Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason for that was because um, in the first Life is Strange, you know, it's kind of a slow opening. I think that's kind of what you expect. You know, you're a Max. You're kind of understanding who she is as a character. And I really related with Max mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and Chloe, I there's some moments where I like, like when it, all the scenes, including her dad, like get me every single time. But uh, Chloe as a character, I don't really relate with her. And I don't feel as connected to her as I do with Max. I think that's a lot of the reason why I didn't love this as much as I did the first episode of the first season. But I still really enjoyed it. So I actually like this opening better than the Life is Strange opening. And I'm feeling a great affinity towards Before the Storm. 
because I really like the illusions that it's making. And I feel like more so than with the original Life is Strange, it is really getting into like the crazy weeds with symbolism and metaphor. And like, there's a big thing with like Shakespeare's use of the Tempest, which I'll like get to later once we've discussed some other plot points. Um, and also just like, I really, I, I got like playing the first game a little, not obsessed, but I was very much into the whole, like, well, why was Rachel Amber so special? Why is she like this like angel that people are like trying to like find like what's going on. So seeing her and seeing her sort of in action is something that like I wanted to see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think that they very well executed on kind of introducing her. So the opening scene, you know, is Chloe outside this abandoned mill where she's going to a secret concert for Firewalk, this band that she thinks is hella rad. Firewalk, Um, which is a Twin Peaks reference. No, but see, the thing about the hella, which I actually really liked what they did, is they introduced it via Rachel. Yeah. So they, they basically have a line that's or she says something hella something and chloe's like who says hella <laughs> she's like, it's, it's a, a kelly thing, thing. It's yeah not. and i was like i actually really like that they tried they they kind of um hella played on that given how people were talking about that word in particular and how awkward it seemed in that in that story mm-hmm. so that was- i think what they really nailed with the introduction of their relationship was when i first saw this scene this is the scene that we played on stage um at the e3 coliseum earlier this summer I when Chloe sees Rachel in this particular scene where Rachel kind of comes to Chloe's rescue from these two skeevy dudes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I just assumed that at that point they were already friends, which clearly is not the case, right? Yeah. That's oh, yeah, you know right. Chloe yeah. interacting with Rachel for really what feels like the first time and the thoughts that Chloe puts into her diary. Which, by the way, if you didn't take the time to oh. read all of the entries oh in the menu system, please go back and do, do it. it. It's, it's really heartbreaking. It really it is. is. It's it's so well done. Like the development that they really give into the psyche of what's going through Chloe's mind is is really great. Um, so what I loved about the way that they set this up is I think we can all remember when we were, or maybe you're still in high school. Um, when you had that moment where there was somebody in your class who was the Rachel Amber character, who maybe wasn't as perfect as they're making her out to be, but somebody that you looked up to somebody that you thought was cool, somebody that you wanted to be friends with mm-hmm. and how they relayed what Chloe was communicating to the player about who Rachel was and what Rachel meant to her and the the new feelings you get, that special like first-time feeling, whether it's friendship, whether it's romantic, or whether it's just, you know, somebody that you're like, that person's cool. Like, I want to hang out with them. Like, I hope that they think that I'm cool too and that like nervousness that we all feel mm-hmm. when making a friend for the first time yeah. Yeah. was and so excellently done. And then you spend like the next, like every interaction you have with them trying not to say the wrong thing. Exactly. Screw it up. And like, I think they got that really well too. Yeah. So do you, are you, are you guys ladies happy with the conversation choices that you picked? Okay. Oh. First choice. Oh oh, In the beginning with the skeevy men, you mm-hmm. can attack them or you can run. I ran oh, I away. Attacked I attacked. I ran. 62% of people, this was as of a couple weeks ago, attacked. 38% of people ran. Yeah. Yep. I'm one of the runners with you, Britt. My PPL. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? Get out of Dodge. Just let's leave. All right. Did you purchase pot from Frank or did you not purchase pot from I Frank? definitely bought pot. Oh, totally. I bought pot. I did too. And 40... I also paid him off with the stolen money. Yep. yep. I also did that too. Yep. Me too. So 40% purchased pot, 60% did not. What I, didn't, what I didn't realize is that later on you could have taken that money and given it to Joyce. I know. And I was like, damn oh, it. Yeah. I didn't know that either. You could have yeah. 
there was a choice to slip the money, money that you stole in her purse, oh. which I was like, Fuck. I wish I'd done that. I know, yeah, I know. Me too. It made me sorry, so, mom. But see, like that's a thing that like this part, this game does really well. It's like you didn't know that was coming, so when you yeah. get there and it's like, damn it, I'm a selfish butthole. Like I could have <laughs> yeah. held on to this yeah. and helped my mother. Like that's a really good emotional like impact. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the way they've they. What I do like about this a lot is the way they're flushing Chloe out. Because when I played the first Life is Strange, I really hated Chloe. I just yeah. thought she was a crappy person. Like, Same. Did not relate to her whatsoever. Was like, why is this game? Like, I just didn't. I didn't want her around. And so that I, was, I still think she's like a big butthead. I still think she's being like she, way too much of a she's brat. Totally a butthead. That's the right word for what Chloe is. Yeah, mm-hmm. she is. But I, I can understand. Like, especially with reading that diary. And like feeling some of the pain she, you know, all of the pain she must feel. Yeah. And being a teenager and knowing you don't necessarily have the capability to deal with those emotions, uh, especially if you're like, if you can't afford therapy, if you can't do any of these things, like they're struggling clearly financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's just more like, okay, I'm starting to more understand her as a person. Doesn't mean you have to like her. Right. Exactly. But- and I don't agree with the choices, you know, that she would make sometimes, but I can understand where she is coming from. And I, I definitely appreciated that a lot about this first episode. Yeah. What was the next choice, Britt? Okay. The next choice comes down to when you're having a conversation with your mom. You can be nice to Joyce or you can be mean to Joyce. I was nice. I was nice to Joyce. So I believe the mean choice was to tell her how you feel about 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 David. Yeah. (laughs) And about how you feel like she's moving way too fast. I went that route. I was completely honest with her. Well, how did that go? Because I'm curious. It was just like a sadder conversation. Like, Mm. instead of you being like, I get it, mom, you're trying your best. It's like, well, this is how I feel. Like, it's Chloe. Maybe, like, you can see it as her being selfish or see it as her just being honest with her mother. And she's just like, this is how I feel about it. And Joyce kind of takes it as like, I know that's how you feel, but like, you know, life, whatever, like, I still miss you. Like, nothing's perfect, Mm -hmm. basically. And that's you learning a lesson as opposed to like making your mom feel better. See, I was um, concerned about picking that choice because I wasn't sure if she was going to be like full on jerk mode, Chloe, or not with that. So I just chose the kinder route because I just didn't want it like, oh, I don't want to be mean to your mom. (laughs) What's tricky about this is we've all played The Life is Strange, like the the core game. And so we know what happens after this, you know? So I had like empathy and sympathy for Joyce. Um, 36% were mean. 64% were nice. Backtracking a little bit. Did you put the photo of William on the dresser? Yes. I did. Okay. Uh, 71% did that. 29 did not. Did you read Joyce's self help self? I didn't find it. Okay. I don't think, Oh no, I I did read that. I I did read that. 50, 58% of people did. And, only 5% of people slipped money into Joyce's purse. Cause probably well, because they had the already pot. bought the weed. Yeah. yeah. Well, because the ga- it sets it up so, like, those choices are so close together. Yeah. You assume as the player that that is what they intended for you like to do. But this is like the Mass Effect thing, too, though, right? How, like, you go back and play it differently because you know what the choices are going to be. Mm-hmm. You're yep. like, this is what I would have done if I had known. But, like, that's so reminiscent of life, right? Hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, so, and that's something that kills me about can't this. Can't rewind, Max. Is I am a self-proclaimed safe whore, and I like to save every chance I get. And you can't do that in this game. So when you're Honestly. faced with a, st- a tough decision, you have to stick with it. Yep. You can't. Ugh. Or you can. I mean, you could reload and play the whole thing over if you, you really could, wanted but to. Man. But. Okay. The next choice. Your choices are your choices. Starts talking about when you get to school as Chloe. 
and there's Ooh, I messed one of those things. There's up. Nathan. There's the guy Elliot who wants <gasps> you to go to a play with him. And there's all these things. I want to talk about one thing really quick before we get into this, and that is sort of how they've addressed um, the fact that there is no special feature, quote unquote, like Max's rewind because. Mm-hmm. So what they've back talk. Yeah. So what they've done instead is they've taken Chloe's smart mouth and amplified it. And so you have conversation key points where you can try and just sass the shit out of someone mm-hmm. until they leave you alone. Um and I was successful on most of them. I failed with the principal. Oh no. I did too. You failed with the principal? I failed. Yeah. I I love this new mechanic because it it like I think that's where some of the writing really, really shines. Yeah. Like, one of them, one of the conversations had a really great like bag of dicks comment that she then riffed on for like three <laughs> more comments, and I was just like, "This is so good." Yeah, it's awesome. So how it kind of works is basically like you have to listen to what the person is telling you, and you it you have you like hone in on keywords, and then you can use that to select the options that would retort back in a better way, and then you get like points for it, and you get a certain number quote-unquote correct choices then you will successfully win the back talk mm-hmm. or you fail <laughs> like i did oh, with the principal no. and he tells you to go to his office after school yeah, and that he smells that pot on you and you're probably gonna get exposed yeah i i don't know how i feel about that mechanic i think it's because i just am not that person i'm not the person who like shit talks in that way and who wants to like amp up a situation. I am a natural like mediator. Diffuser, yeah. So whenever like things get heated, I always look for like the calming way to steer the conversation, not like let's ratchet this up and oh, see who wins. <laughs> you know? And so my jam. she just I gets like, it too. Re- like she just so she good. she goes to like like, you know, attitude Chloe, and then she like kicks some sass in there, and then she turns into like full on bitch Chloe by the end of the back talk. And I just like, it makes me so uncomfortable because I'm like, why are you being so mean, Chloe? Because she wants to get what she wants, and she yeah, thinks that that's the only way to do it. Sugar is better than yeah, vinegar, but that's not, or whatever. That's the not her. Yeah, <laughs> you catch more flies with honey or something. Okay. Yeah, or Some more choices. bees. I don't think you want to catch flies. <laughs> not, okay, speaking of bitchy choices, did you t- did you listen to Skip's demo? Yes. yes, I listened to. So this is the other key component of Life is Strange, and they freaking nailed this. The music, the soundtrack's so good. I just sat there and listened to Firewalk as long as I could. Yep. I sat there and listened I to Skip's too. demo. Anytime yes. they give you an option to listen to a song, I listened to the whole song. I didn't get to listen to Skip's demo. I don't know how I missed that as an option, but when you looked at the percentages, forty nine percent of people listened to his demo, um, and then told him that they li- told him that they liked his demo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Zero people told him they didn't like one percent told 1%. him they didn't like it and then the other 50 percent like me just didn't listen to it so i don't know if i like missed that you option talk conversation or what you have to talk to him as you in- enter the schoolyard for the full first time and like you go over and he's like he's like the janitor guy yeah he's a security he's guard he's not a janitor security. did well, did speaking of things that you could totally freaking miss did any of you play the D and D game? Yes. Yes. Did you play it all the way through? Yes, yes. I did. Did you win? Yes. No. Yes. Oh no! I failed. So seventy six percent of people finished the game. Twenty four percent did not. How could you not? Man, it just grabs you and it pulls you in. That was so cool. That was so that was, cool. Yeah. Kudos, I, deck nine. I really, really, really loved that moment. I thought that was so, was so well done and just so. I was like, I kind of want them to just make 
more of these like just like, <laughs> like, as, like a standalone mini game yeah. I feel like yeah before the storm has a lot of these really great excellent moments that you can so easily miss and that's what makes you want to spend more time in it and dig around in it a little yes. bit more and i just think that's so good mm-hmm. okay speaking of kind of well this isn't speaking of anything we haven't even talked about this <laughs> <laughs> knowing what comes in the future games did you sabotage victoria's homework totally no yes i, did I sabotaged 53 percent of people did not well, she's a, a bitch. She is mean. She is. And she's always a mean girl. Even in even with what happens in, you know, you know, life is strange, she's still mean. She, she is. is. Nothing still changes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I mean, you you have a moment of sympathy for her like near the end of that game because of what happens to her. Right. But like at this it's it doesn't make her a better person. No, no. she's you know? still a craphead. Yeah. All right. No, also, crap. what about Nathan? Oh, I, I totally went after that little weenie. Did you defend Nathan? Did you stay out of the fight? I stayed out of the fight and let him get ripped. I defended him. Okay. I, defended him I as well. think that deep down there's still some good in Chloe and that like her mom is shining through and would have been like, hey, you should help. Okay. But so, that being said, I, I don't know how much it helped. Thirteen <laughs> percent of people stayed out of the fight. Eighty seven percent defended. So what I'm went down and I, I stayed out of it too. I was like, fuck you, you kill me someday so yeah. what <laughs> what uh but it's not him it's not him oh fuck no, 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 no 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 it is it's butthead teacher no it is nathan because in the beginning of the game chloe gets shot yeah oh okay what do you mean okay right. i was like i feel bad so what happened when you defended him so basically it just goes into a back talk so and yeah. you back talk the other guy i forgot his name who's mikey's older brother so and so yeah sure whatever <laughs> and uh nfl jack guy yeah and so you back talk him jack to the point guy. where he backs off and goes away oh, okay and and of course everyone picked up on nathan's like peep they're teasing him because he has like dark perverted like a perverted portfolio yeah so, yes foreshadowing that's, that's yeah. like the seed of his like kookiness okay let's talk about rachel okay okay let's do it did you tell Rachel you were more than just friends? Yes. Oh, totally. Yes. She's really cute. She's. I don't want to be like, I'm slightly attracted to like an underage video game character. Yeah, but you can say that because I think we all feel a little, little bit of a. I just she's, feel like. She's a waifu. She's totally waifu material. Okay. Their connection does feel more like a friendship, which, and it's similar to how I felt when I first played Left Behind mm-hmm. um, from The Last of Us. And the, even though they'd never mentioned where this relationship was going to go, immediately as I saw them, I was like, "What? wait a minute. Is there like a thing here? And then like later on the kiss and you're like, oh my God, it's a thing. Like that's how I feel with them. Wait, you got a kiss? In The Last, last of, of Us Left Behind? Last of Us Left oh, Behind. Not, I was not like, in this one. Not in this I one. I was like, wait a minute. Chloe never no, no, kisses no. Rachel in this episode. <laughs> no. If there's a smooch, Steimer will find it. So oh, yeah. 71% <laughs> of people told Rachel that they are more than friends. 29% said you are just friends. It's tough because when you think about female relationships at that age... I think, at least from speaking from my own experience, I was so much closer in a physical way with my friends mm-hmm. than I am today. And I'm not quite sure why that is. Like, I used to, like, snuggle in bed with my friends. We used to, like... We're all weird adults now. I currently I know. snuggle we, like, all with want our, Brittany all I think we all time. just want our personal space now. We're like, We're I'm old. Snuggling. I need We're space. We're old adults. Um, but... I th- so I think when I originally saw the relationship like budding between Chloe and Rachel, I, to me like that kind of body language and signaling immediately was like romance. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
thinking back on it, like at that age, I had super intimate relationships with my female friends, but we weren't like, like we weren't planning on hooking up. Like no, it was right, literally right. just French. You're, you're young women in like this crazy world. A lot of shit's going down. Cause I was the same way. I would link arms with my friends, hug. Oh my God. And just, uh, I still feel like that's comforting. a different energy than what they are trying to yeah. communicate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Did you share your earbuds with Rachel? Yes. yes. 2% of assholes did not. I, what buttholes? Yeah. Who's sitting with somebody in like a space ear- where there's nobody else and you're like, bye, Felicia. You know, you right. especially somebody you're in. trying to impress, you're like concerned about, yeah, and then you're real. like, goodbye forever. Goodbye Listen forever. up, 2%. I know. What? Dicks. 2% of people what? don't know how to engage with <laughs> social interactions. Right, just a few more. Did you tell Rachel that falling in love is stupid? Or yes. Or did you tell her that you believe in love? I told her it was stupid. I told her I felt like that was true to who Chloe is. Yeah, fifty-seven percent of people did that as well. Did you jump out of the train? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Five percent of people did not. I almost did it because I was like, "Bitch is saying jump," and I'm saying okay. Uh, Right? Yeah. I was a little scared that I would do that and then get like a "You died" Dark Souls (laughs) screen or something. (laughs) I was like, "Is this a trick?" No, No. it wasn't a trick. So I wonder what happens if you don't. And maybe you like how funny out. would it be you if like it's like a rock we're s- she's still on the train right now Goodbye. <laughs> credits roll so, so, somebody from the five percent let us know yeah let us know that went down <laughs> okay so those are all the choices i'm assuming she would that drag wasn't all you the off choices. the train those are the choices that were no those are the choices that were on the here. game that the game shows you at the, the end no there's like a whole other page of choices isn't there yeah, yeah i read like a bajillion million that was it no it can't be it well that's what they give you at the end of the game you attacked the guy you ran from you attacked the guy you were my- nice or mean to Joyce. You defended Nathan. You told Rachel you're more than oh. friends. Like, and then there's like these lists of these sub ones that I already read. Too. The other page you're thinking of is like your relationship standing with all of the characters, right? Maybe. I mean, because that, that only takes you through like, I mean, that's like there's so much more that happens after that. But I don't think there's necessarily choices to be made. Yeah, yeah I don't think those are pivotal plot points. I guess that's true. Um, how, how did you guys, what did you guys think about the scene with the couple where you steal the wine? That was oh, really actually, funny. That was great. That, there are a lot of moments. In, like now as as we're sitting here talking, I'm like there were a lot of moments where I was like, this is pretty funny. Like I, I enjoy this a lot. I like, so what happens is there's a couple and you're trying to steal this wine from them. So Rachel, ever the actress, decides to go in front of them and faint and be like, oh, woe is me. And <laughs> okay, you okay, mm-hmm. Brit? And then like as you like try and sneak up to grab the wine they're like hey you you should be helping and, and then like, you have to like back talk your way out of like i fucked that one trying up. to like oh you did what happened to, when you get the wine up. they're like i think you girls are pulling our legs and you grab the wine and you go and rachel's like run and then we ran in all oh. as well no i successfully did it and it was amazing so i also good. successfully did it too um it was interesting because they really play off the dynamic of chloe trying to impress rachel on like their first date thing yeah. mm-hmm. whatever their first hangout session as a as a duo and you know rachel instantly is like why am i still sober which i think is like a door open to like some character development they're gonna do with her later on and kind of pegging chloe as like the misfit kid who's always doing drugs or drinking and being like oh i'm hanging out with chloe price and we haven't done any drugs yet um and you know you kind of feel for chloe in that moment to go like well the reason chloe is you know using substances is to kind of 
of dull her world mm-hmm. because she's in so much pain from, you know, her, what's happened at home with her mom and this new boyfriend and the death of her dad. And the, um, and the abandonment of her friend, her best yep. friend. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. Oh, man. Can we talk about that for a second? Woo! Those yeah. letters to Max in her diary are gutting. Oh, they're oh, so it's sad. rough, man. She's just like super salty about so it. So can you remind me, someone, what was Max's excuse? Max's parents got a job in Seattle or something? No, no. no. So the she, excuse of is that the address like got messed up and all of her letters didn't make it. But to the Chloe. text messaging is what I'm. Did, oh, did she, oh, I don't even think there own. was a text. It was crazy and so well done about the text message thread. Is that I have a thread like that from a friend on my phone. Oh, we all do right yeah. now. So like, if you haven't spent the time to actually dig in and read all of the individual text messages. Also, why haven't you done that? Do that. Wait, remind um, me because I don't remember. Which- so basically, it's like if you look at the dates that mm-hmm. go back and forth between Chloe and Max, it's like Chloe saying like, hey, woman, like, what are you doing? And like a day or two later, it's Max being like, oh, sorry, I was busy. And then nothing. And then Chloe sending like two or three messages and then like maybe like a month or two later, oh. Max being like, sorry, you know how life is, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there's always that friend who you're so you think that you're so close with that you just want to reach out to and you just want to talk to you and you want to be in mm. your life and they just cannot be bothered to make the time for you and you see that in this relationship yeah. and it really kind of struck me in like a visceral way that i was like fuck man so that yeah. happens it's like real life stuff there where people just can't be bothered calling they can't text you they won't email you and no matter what you do you're just like losing that person from your life and that's right. yeah. that's where chloe is in this moment totally and I, but I, now as you're saying that i'm like i kind of wonder if she was if she backpedaled I was like, oh, letters got lost because she knew she was moving back. Like, I what? don't remember this letter. So got this is the very to. end of this is very end of the episode. Okay. Like, last, like one of the last things is that there's a, a note from Max and it's like, Mac or Chloe. Hey, you won't believe it. I'm moving back. And I, you know, oh, my God, all the letters that I've been sending you, they just haven't come through. And like. I, you know, I'd never forget about you, bloody blah. Oh, and where was that letter? I think I missed I, it. I can't remember, but I remember reading that and being like, oh, snap. Mm. It's just like, they're already setting her coming back up. Like, mm-hmm. I knew this was only three episodes, but I didn't realize like how quick it's going to go. And now I'm, I'm waiting to see Butthead Teacher come, mm. maybe probably in episode two. Butthead Teacher. Butthead Teacher. Isn't the special episode, if you buy it like the special edition, it's a mini episode about Max leaving. Oh, really? Like it's Chloe and Max. I think familiar. so. It's called like know. the goodbye or something. Oh. We'll figure it out. Figure anyway. It. But yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. So I just like it. I think what Deck Nine has done and picked up kind of where Don't Nod, you know, opened the door for looking at and analyzing these relationships between the the cast, particularly the, the females between, you know, Chloe and Max in the first game and now Chloe and Rachel in this game, is it really, they're doing an excellent job not of only, like, kind of, like, capturing what that's like for so many of us mm-hmm. being that age but also really setting up why chloe is so angry at yes. max at the beginning of the original life is yeah. strange and what's really hard now is that now that we've gotten to meet rachel mm-hmm. and we've gotten to kind of see into her world and kind of see what is drawing chloe into her and i know that they're only going to develop that further even even the little glance that you get from frank as he's 
rescuing them from the skeevy dudes and seeing like oh i see where that relationship between frank and rachel is going to blossom into you know Mm -hmm. from the photos that you get in the the first game i forgot about that Mm -hmm. and like where that's gonna go i hope that obviously they're gonna explore that more but it's makes it even a little bit more gutting knowing what happens to rachel in the second game in the first game and i'm just like setting it up for that makes me like so sad in a way especially when you're on the train car and she's like i want to move to is it new york or she wants to move to somewhere and become an actress la LA. yeah no she wants to go to new york oh wherever it is to be abroad to to be on broadway okay whatever yeah she has all these dreams but here's the thing i can't help and maybe i'm just picking up on it because i'm looking for it i feel like Rachel is a little too coincidental. She, I feel like she knows things, and it's like, how do you know these things? Like she, she won't tell Chloe why. I don't know. She has a secret. We don't know what that is. Do you think she has powers? Do you think? Oh, good. She I kept had, waiting for someone to bring this. Do you up. think she she has anything at all? She one hundred percent has powers. It was really so. The, yeah, the last one of the last moments that so, you see with her. Yeah, is very so supernatural. In the last, the last, she she sets a photo on fire and then the photo sets this tree and she's well, just she sets like a garbage can, a garbage garbage can, can on fire. So leading up to the fire though, she sees her dad making out with a, a woman, woman who is, we don't know who this woman is. Um, and C- Chloe kind of has to coax out of her why she's upset. They're looking in the viewfinder, playing mm-hmm. a stupid game and then all of a sudden Rachel gets upset. And then, you know, we start to hear a little bit about, you know, Rachel's life. And then she talks about this photo that she's carried around with her about her and her dad she's like why do i even have this like i feel so betrayed and then chloe do you have a lighter chloe presents lighter she goes and meanwhile before that there was like um a kid at the school who was doing a sign up to prevent like uh wildfires so that kind of like foreshadows and plays into like this idea that there's going to be a fire and now here we are and fire walk and chloe constantly talking about fire fire (laughs) and now they've set this photo on fire and then they throw it in the garbage can and i'm like why would you do that that seems like a terrible idea Well, it's at least contained until she kicks it over yeah Yeah. and then she screams and like wind bellows out she screams and the sound that comes out of her mouth is like this banshee shriek it It really is yeah and if you notice when she screams like the wind picks up but if you look at the way that the wind is drawn and like the the curls of wind it's the same way that the storm is drawn in life is strange that big tornado that's like on its way to destroy arcadia bay so does chloe Am I making this up? Because it's been a few weeks since I played it. Does Chloe, not Chloe, does Rachel say, Chloe, I can't be your friend right now and I can't tell you why? Does she say something like that? Is she, yeah, she, she says, I can't do this and I can't tell I'm you I'm sorry. Why. So I can't, it just seems weird. I'm not saying that Rachel has like foreshadowing abilities or um, what's the word I'm like, where we can see to the future. But it's like, she just kind of like shows up and she's like, I'm going to befriend you, Chloe, and we're going to do awesome things together. And if she's like this girl that has everything, why does she need a Chloe? Maybe we'll learn. And she's saying weird things like, I can't tell you, you know, I don't know. And she's a banshee screecher. Something's up with her. I think she she has some clue of what's going to go down. So I have an idea. I 100% think Rachel has powers. And I think her needing Chloe is because the powers that she has are not something that she can use herself to get what she wants. Like, I think her powers. Like a genie? Well, no, I think <laughs> her powers kidding. are like a little more like I manipulate people and things into doing what I want them to do. Uh, as in, everyone mm. loves her. She's a star student. Like people are tripping over themselves to like like the, te- the drama teacher compliments her. Chloe is like instantly in love with her, and I think that 
her powers are foreshadowed by the way that Life is Strange Before the Storm is using the Shakespeare play The Tempest. So tell me about The Tempest. I've read a lot of Shakespeare, but I do not remember this one. So the plot of The Tempest is a uh, uh, Prospero, the like rightful ruler of this land, gets shoved out of this land by his brother and exiled with his daughter Miranda to an, to an island. And on the island, the only thing he brought with him were a bunch of books. So he reads all these books and becomes this like powerful, powerful sorcerer. And he lives there with his daughter and a spirit, Ariel, that willingly does his bidding. And Caliban, the leader of some tribe on the island, that he's basically made his thrall and is bullying him around. And Caliban, throughout the whole, uh, the whole play, is like talking about, like, I want to kill Prospero, like talking about doing evil to him and how he's stuck because of Prospero. Um, and Prospero finds out that his enemies, including his brother and his brother's son, are on a boat nearby his island. So he summons the Tempest, shipwrecks everyone, and they end up on the island. And Ferdinand, the son of, I think it's like his brother's son or something. I forget the actual relation. But this boy Ferdinand comes and falls and like sees Miranda. And Prospero sort of orchestrates them falling in love, but then pulls back and doesn't want them to fall in love too fast. And then finally is like, okay, sure. And then like really, really gets them to like hook up and fall in love with each other. And Caliban convinces a drunken sailor who he thinks is a god um, to help him try and kill Prospero. And then Ariel, the spirit, goes and kind of like fucks with everyone. So everything that happens on this island and on these relationships that form and break and these people that are in thrall are all um, because of Prospero. He is like the Tempest maker. He is the person who is in control. And in Life is Strange Before the Storm, they're putting on the play The Tempest and Rachel is playing Prospera. So she's playing yeah. a, a gender-bent version of Prospero. And the way that... the And, and you can see that she has, you know, all these people like falling for her, like doing her bidding and... Nathan plays Caliban. So he's already playing playing her thrall and in you know Caliban wants to kill Prospero and plots to usurp him and Nathan is the person who eventually kills Rachel. So we already see like that di- that dynamic sort of foreshadowed with the Tempest. Um Ooh, that's fascinating. And like every everything in everything about Before the Storm is connected to the Tempest. The titles of the episodes are references to quotes. Awake is from uh, is from a monologue. I have this open here. Is from a monologue from Miranda to Prospero. Awake, dear heart, awake. Thou hast slept well. Awake. So this is Chloe waking up and being like, oh, like there's more to life and all these terrible things that have happened to me. Brave New World, the second episode brave new world that has such people in it like this is clearly an ensemble mm-hmm. play so and an ensemble cast so all these people are coming together around chloe around rachel and then the last one hell is empty is a very very often quoted hell is empty and all the devils are here mm, yes um i remember that so everything is sort of built around built around the tempest and if you if you think of rachel as prospero and as organizing these relationships think about the original life uh life is strange rachel uh Chloe and Max become friends over the mystery of like what happened to Rachel and that mystery sort of bonds them together because Max is has offered to use her powers to help Chloe sort of figure out what happened to her. So she is this she is this 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 uh this spellmaker and this weaver of things and I don't think it's hard to believe that her power creates that butterfly effect because mm-hmm. the butterfly was the big thing in the time travel thing and I think she has the power to either create storms or create wind or something. And her choices and what she does winds up that storm. Drop your mic. I I want your babies. The only, the only, (laughs) 
the, and then there's like the whole symbolism with the raven as like a harbinger of bad news. If you're in in the scene where Chloe is dreaming and in the car with her father, there's a Tempest poster sitting in the seat in front of her. Mm-hmm. And you see Rachel is Prospera, uh, Nathan is Caliban, and between them is what looks like Chloe with a raven's head over her eyes covering her face. And then you see the raven show up when Chloe's like sort of in important moments where you're like, this is a moment where I should remember. The only thing I can't, because I like thought about the Tempest and I thought about Life of Storage and I'm trying to make all of these parallels and the one thing I can't seem to guess at is who the the woman at the end of the episode sitting watching the tree burn and smoking and smiling we don't see the f- top of her face but that's clearly the woman that was with her father yeah in the scene because you can yes. see the tattoo on her yeah, yeah. so I don't know I'm trying to see is there anything in the Tempest that can maybe Ooh. foreshadow who she is what's going on I don't know I did a lot of crazy research that was this. amazing thank yeah. you for sharing um, that no, it's really interesting. And like Life is Strange had its great allusions to like Twin Peaks and there and other stuff, but like before the storm really, really, really plays into uh allusions to the Tempest and I love that shit. Yeah, this is that's <laughs> actually pretty fascinating. I actually was part of the sound crew on the Tempest in high school, but I <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't pick up any of that. It's a it's a, it's a tragic, it's a tragic comedy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like not totally bad. No, I just meant like I didn't connect the two, like make all these connections yeah. that you just made. I, I didn't even think about it. It's really it's. I'm interested to see how like specifically the relationship between Rachel and Nathan and how that plays out because Caliban like does interact with with Prospero a lot and then in the end Caliban gets his comeuppance and he gets you know he gets freed actually but it's not like in a it's not in a positive way it's like mm-hmm. all these bad things happened and now he's free and like at the end of the original life is strange you know Mr. Jefferson gets gets whatever and Nathan is kind of like free to stop he's not no longer in this dark cycle and he can sort of go because i would think he reveals like you know jefferson pressured him or something so he can go so it's interesting how deck nine has sort of taken life is strange and tried to fit that in with this and then sort of built out from it which is brilliant so freaking cool oh Ooh. man that was deep <laughs> super excited for episode two master. that was yeah. amazing um they told us at PAX West that they're planning about 10 weeks between episodes. So we're not oh, due. Yeah. yeah. So we're not due Me. for episode two, probably until December. What the heck? If you think about <sighs> it, maybe November, mid November at yeah. the earliest would mm. be my guess. Um, Come on, deck nine. So we'll, we'll see exactly what's, uh, what's going to happen. I do. Um, I think it's intriguing that they've made it three episodes instead of five. Um, I think that that means they'll take out some fluff because we agreed talking about the first season that they probably could have shaved it down to four episodes. That's David Lynchian like stealth Stealth, dream scene. (laughs) They have confirmed to me there was no stealth in Before the Storm. Keep my Lynch out of this. Um, So, um, yeah, ladies, any, any parting final thoughts about Awake, about episode one? No, I want all of them so that I can judge them better. Give me. All it's of hard them. to judge a piece of a puzzle, right? Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, soon, soon, TM. Please, please, soonish. soonish. We probably won't get the finale until, until next year. I was about to say that would Barf. be next year, and that's kind of a bummer. But yeah. it's fine, I guess. Maybe the nature of cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not super surprising. No. But um, thank you everyone for hanging with us through our spoiler cast of Before the Storm episode one. Awake. Um, I think we should do this for each episode. I think Let's it'd be do fun. It. Yeah. Um, I'll take um, I'll take screenshots of my choices next time. Mm-hmm. Do it to yeah. make sure I can see. But um, if you guys want to get involved with what we're doing here on Westgate Games, um. 
of course, you can visit us on whatsgoodgames.com. Um, you can get involved with our social media channels. Um, we have, I'm trying to think of what we have coming up um, soon besides XPO. It's really like that's the closest thing. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it's a Game Awards. Game Awards, PSX. Yeah, I, Steimer and I might be making an appearance at BlizzCon. Um, but yeah, if you're going to be in New York... At New York Comic Con, Alexa Ray and I will be wandering around. Let's go um, buy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's buy some nerdy stuff. I'm into it. So text us. Come find us if you see us on the show floor. Come say hi. We'll be uh, carrying around our What's Good Games pins um, if you would like to buy one. Um, yeah, it'll be great. But enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you, everyone, for uh, hanging out with us. And once again, if you have not yet rated or subscribe to our show, we would absolutely love it if you could do that. Um, maybe make that your weekend hope if you wouldn't. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We love you. 